Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tanner Grayson, as always, and joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, say hi. Hi. What, what is it? Y'all always uh, say hi, Ross, or whatever? I, I mix it up to keep uh, Rob or whoever's directing the show on their toes. Okay. Yeah, I kind, of, good. I kind of messed it up. I kind of messed it up. Sometimes I just give them arbitrary words to say. I remember there's one day they messed it up and you and Corey got really, really excited and we're like, yeah, well, we did it. So yeah. it used to be that Rob would always go along with it and say exactly what we said. And Dan would never go along with it. And then he did. And then there was uh, one day. Well, I told him that I was going to like trick him into saying saying it. I, I don't know how I was going to do that, but I told him I was going to. And there was one day that he just tripped up and accidentally repeated what exactly what I said. And that's when we, we went nuts because I got him. That's what it was. Okay. Because I remember I was watching, but not like super watching the episode. I was like, what just happened? Because you all just started yelling and stuff. So. <laughs> But uh, today's episode is going to be pretty sweet. We're going to go over some results from the weekend. We had uh, two pretty big Pioneer tournaments. The Pioneer Challenge has not been posted yet at the time of us uh, recording this. It's 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. for you, 5 p.m. for me on a Monday. Uh, Ross has a busy Tuesday, so we're going to be a little early this week. Well, we were a little late last week, so kind of making up for it type thing. But also to kind of make it up for it a little bit, we're going to have some cool stuff on the cast today. We're going to talk spoilers. So if you've been uh, keeping up with spoilers, we're not doing the Commander cards. Sorry. Uh, but we are going to talk about Ikora, uh, and we're going to talk about some of these cards that could possibly make waves in Pioneer. We'll probably even drop a, a standard thing or two in here talking about some of these cards, but, you know, I'm excited about these things. I don't know about you. The the new set looks really cool. The artwork is great. Um, these are generally the sets that aren't for me. I'm not a big fan of, like, I'm generally not the biggest fan of, like, attacking giant monsters into each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's not my type of magic. It's fine in, like, limited or whatever, but... The set's cool, and I do like over-costed, multicolored cards that do really ridiculous things. So there's a little bit of everything in here for, for people, I guess. Yeah, um, the the major takeaway so far for me is that this set is very, I think, difficult to evaluate on paper. Because the new mechanics like Companion and uh, Mutate are just very complex, and they are very multifaceted. So you really do need to see the cards in play. We started doing a little bit of that, of that on Versus Live. Uh, and we, we will at some point move away from Standard and start looking at these cards in Pioneer and Modern as well. So I'll be looking forward to that. You definitely want to start with Standard, though. It showcases the new cards more. Oh, yeah. You know, like you, get, you get more than like you're like, oh, look at my new deck. I have one new card with a, it's a four of, you know, like kind of thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, but when Standard lets us really dive deep and see a lot of what the set has to offer and then we you know towards the end once we have everything and we can we can see okay there's five or ten cards here that we think have a chance of, of making a wave in pioneer or modern let's have a show where we explore all of them um so that's generally how we do it and that'll be coming up soon so good time to start thinking about how these cards might fit into a modern metagame and uh, they're just they're all so weird. Yeah. I will say this. Um, just looking at the creature types on some of these creatures, it's like they got a dartboard and just put a bunch of creature types there and just started throwing darts. Like, I'm look, I'm reading this around. Dinosaur cat nightmare. Nightmare beast elemental. Cat nightmare beast elemental dinosaur cat. Beast elemental dinosaur. Like, I think they just mixed it up. They're like, how many different variations can we do? Done. Well, it looks to me like each color has a corresponding creature type. Right, it looks like red is dinosaur, white is cat, black is nightmare, green is beast, and blue is elemental. Mm -hmm. And so, whichever three colors they are, they have those three creature types. Yeah, see, I didn't look at it that much, and probably should have, and tried to actually like extrapolate what they were doing here. And yeah, 
power off. We get it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we get it. You're smart. We get it. All right. <laughs> so you do anything fun since the last episode? Uh, I know we're kind of sequestered as the houses, but I don't know. Anything, anything fun going on? I got to do a nice little Zoom hangout with old friends of mine. You know, we're all, uh, you know, bored at home and wanted to hang out. So the Friday, or Saturday night, we all got on a got on a Zoom call and just caught up with each other, played some online cards against humanity. My my wife actually just played cards against humanity last night with some of her friends. It was like somebody's birthday. Anyway, I, I don't I don't like the game, so I did not partake. I am also not a, a big fan of the game, but I'll just go along with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. experience with so I I like that style of game. Like I really like apples to apples. But right. with Cards Against Humanity, it too often just devolves into play the most over-the-top crude card you possibly can, as opposed to actually trying to be clever. Yeah, it's just mono dick and fart jokes. Like, yeah. Whereas with Apples to Apples, you can be very clever. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It just becomes like, you're just trying to be a Jay and Silent Bob movie. Like you're, you're just trying to make the, the most toilet toilet bowl humor type thing you can do, which is fine. I Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. The more I drink, the more I'm into that game. If you're drinking, you're like... You get, like, loosened up a little bit, you're good to go. But the more I drink, the more I'm into anything. Speaking of that, I had to make a run to the grocery store this morning. And uh, so, like, we've been talking about it for, like, a week or two. We're like, oh, you know, like, maybe I should go to the grocery store. Or maybe we shouldn't. You know, we have a lot of stuff that we've been, like, ordering so we don't have to, you know, venture out. You know what finally did it? What finally broke the back for making us leave? Wow, you ran out of beer? We, yeah, we ran out of the main alcohol that we drink. Like, we needed, we needed more wine and... Uh, We've been on this big uh, rum kick lately, and so we, we like ran out. Like I thought I had a whole other bottle, but apparently we did not. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was uh, yeah. I am uh, an oversight. I'm pretty low. I'm gonna have to make a make a stop in the next couple days. Yeah, we're actually getting to do some pretty cool stuff. So um, her brother, uh, so my brother-in-law, he lives in the same neighborhood, and uh, he's got like a 12 year, 13 year old son. So um, a lot of these places are, you know, they'll deliver stuff to you. Like the the locals, like farmer's market deliver like a large amount of vegetables. And we wanted to get a bunch, like but a like... CSA thing? It, sort of. So like um, the the hard part is to like get your money's worth. I think it's it's a local thing, Ross, not like a like a, a national thing. But um, the hard part is getting like your money's worth, right? Like the, the one that's cheapest, like will run out too fast for us. But like the next one up, it's it's too much. Like we will we won't use all of it before it goes bad. So I was like, hey, let's like go have these on like one of the big ones, right? And you can kind of tailor it. So I'm like, give me a lot of avocados, you know, a lot of this, and we're just good to go. You know, like stuff that's just good on everything, you know, type thing. So because that's that's the that's the biggest problem I think right now is fresh food. You know, and like not eating a TV dinner for like the third time in a row, or you know, just something you pop in the microwave, so you can actually like cook or grill up is nice and um i know it's got to be a little bit harder for you you know with your dietary restrictions i told you i've kind of like turned mine off during this time because you know it's, it's just practical but it's been interesting um went to the grocery store this morning to, to like i said to pick up a few things and uh i was happy with the way that some of the stuff was set up and pretty uh disappointed in some of the people that i saw there but i will say this the one thing that i was impressed with is I'd probably say a good 65% or more of the people in the store that did not work there uh, were wearing masks. So I was like pretty, pretty happy about that because like, you know, that's, that's recommended right now. If you go in public, like just wear a mask. It's, it's not hard. It's pretty easy to do. If you can, you know, just find anything you can use for one kind of stuff. So, um, 
I've been trying to set up a, a Zoom date with uh, you and, and Brennan. He wants to have another one sometime soon, so we need we need to do that or whatever. Should be should be fun and watch some movies. But have you watched anything good? Any good TV shows? Any good movies lately? I've been uh, I've been perusing through things. I'm trying to think if I have watched anything new recently, and I because really I'll tell you this. Twitch is not doing it for me as much as it has in the past. Like, I'm in like, you know, you know, you go through like the, the peaks and valleys of things. And right now Twitch is at like an all time low for me. So Twitch is always awkward during preview season because everybody's talking about all the new cards and you're brewing decks with them. And then you're just watching old decks on Twitch and you're just like, this yeah. isn't great. So yeah, preview season is not a great time to be watching Twitch except for versus live where we are playing with new cards. I, I like how you did the plug. That's where I was trying to lead you. It worked. Yeah. All right. Uh, I do have an idea for you guys uh, for one of your like BCW challenges or whatever. I was talking this over with somebody else. I think it'd be cool if, obviously, maybe not right away because the new cards are coming out soon, but I think it'd be cool if like you had some sweet rules going into certain weeks. Like this week, we could only have three ofs in our deck. Or this week, we could only have like two ofs in our deck. You know what I mean? Just like, not necessarily exactly that, but just something different, you know? Or like uh each each team like gets to each player in each team gets to ban one card that the other team cannot play or that like or bans like a card from either the whole team or just a player be like okay uh y'all can't play urza so like no one on lotus box can play urza or something like that you know something along those lines and then y'all can kind of like go down the line with that or something maybe have some fun with it i think it'd be kind of cool yeah um it's like ban Urza, ban Primeval Titan, see what's up. <laughs> like, Stuff like that often doesn't go over as well on true. regular versus. Is it like that's more of a commander versus kind of thing where you do play with deck building restrictions a lot? I wasn't necessarily talking about versus. I was talking about maybe like BCW versus like Lotus Box, like Ooh, the challenge stream. Oh yeah, that's that for that stuff. I think would be great. Actually, I, I was watching uh, Todd's stream earlier today, and he mentioned doing a tournament through MTG Melee where they would just, like, ban some of the really powerful cards in Pioneer and see what that does. Yeah, what was it? I think they did it a few years ago, or it was in the last year. They had a tournament where, like, everyone could vote on what they wanted banned, and the top, like, seven cards got banned. We did, I think that we did this in Hearthstone at one point in time, too. So, like, all the, you know, like, like Urza, Primeval Titan, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, like, if you're in Pioneer, then, like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, Lotus Breach, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, a few of those cards. And so you have to find the right number, to where it doesn't just neuter the whole format, and you're like, well, this sucks, or whatever, but, you know, it makes every deck really bad kind of thing. But it does lead to some interesting deck building. No, I, th I think the idea of running MTG Melee tournaments with novel deck building restrictions sounds great. Yeah, and it's a brewer's paradise, right? Like, if you're good at making decks or good at figuring things out like that, that's a that's a good spot. For you, and it's nice too because like that's the other thing too. You're you're, you're coming towards it's like you said we're coming towards a, a new season of cards, and you get kind of burned out on everything that's been going on. You know, I'm ready for for new cards to be injected into Pioneer, which we're going to talk about later in the show, and I'm super excited about that. But we did have a couple of uh, tournaments this weekend that we we were going to talk about. There was a a PTQ that happened online, and you know what? I, I gotta say for this weekend, some some pretty cool decks and some different decks uh, that we hadn't seen in a while or some new cards did well this weekend. And one, um, we don't just spend a ton of time, but the 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 deck that won the player store qualifier this weekend, it's an oldie but a goodie. And we had kind of seen this deck get pushed out of the metagame, but here it is winning with uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn and Bring the Light as the the first place deck. This is a deck I, I didn't expect to see 
yeah, for a while. Yeah, this was a deck that I basically only expected to see on Gabriel Nassif's stream. <laughs> and, um, but clearly still, you know, a powerful archetype, right? Uh, looks like they are going with the temple-heavy mana base that was popularized by PV. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, understandable, but nothing, you know, super uh, new here, right? That They've got the Gilded Geese... Um, They've got the Hour of Devastation. There's like a Blood Baron main, which is like yeah. whatever, you know, there's an Ahiri main, you know, some stuff that like wasn't stock, but like might be now. Uh, you're just seeing a lot of Uro, because like, let's be real, Uro's kind of taking over in, in in Modern and in Pioneer. Yeah. And so any decks that can just jam Uro is kind of great, right? Yeah. The Nahiri seems like a pretty clear response to Mono White. Like it just exiles Heliod and Ballista, um... Or the, Whether they're tapped or not, right? Because it doesn't have the tapped thing for enchantments, yeah, right? Yeah, and also yeah. hit, like, Stakes of Snare or whatever. And like, Sometimes you just land this card and, like, plus it a couple times and just find a niv Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the other thing, too, right? Like, the ultimate at minus eight, like, yeah, you don't have Emrakul like we used to have in the modern deck back in the day, but just getting a niv Mizzet into play is kind of messed up, right? Because you, you fuel up and you get to play all these spells, and then if you're somehow the game is still going two or three turns, maybe you're like, I'll cast this niv Mizzet for my hand now. Yeah. You know, do it again. Kind of like you, when you're when you're ultimating the Nahiri too, you have all your mana untapped. So that that first Nivmizit trigger is happening when all your mana is available. You draw about two, three, four cards. You cast all like several of them, uh, and and really pull ahead. So Nahiri seems great in this deck. So you know, I, I say that there's not much new, but like you don't need to change a lot about this deck to have a significant impact because of Bring Delight. You know, you find your singleton so often, so mm -hmm. just one Nahiri, I'm sure, makes a pretty big difference, especially in that matchup. There's a Voice of Resurgence in the sideboard for counter-heavy decks. That's kind of neat. Not really a card that I want to tutor for with Bring the Light. Like, if I'm resolving a Bring the Light in those matchups, like, then There's probably something I better. the voice. So yeah. it's an awkward one of, but maybe a card I want to play multiples of if there's a lot of, like, Azorius Control or something like that. No, absolutely. And then, like, you see the deck that got second place in the tournament also... Um, a deck that you don't expect to see too often, you know, but when you do, it's not the super most surprising thing ever. This is the green ramp deck that splashes blue for Uro. So, like, it's a little less on the ramp-heavy stuff, right? You're looking at, uh, let me make sure, I, it's always a mouthful. Wolf Willow Haven. Sorry, Wolf Willow is a weird word to say um, for you alliteration fans out there. And uh, then you're looking at, like, you know, Nissa, Ugin, you know, a bunch of Boreal Grazers and, and Cavalier Thorns. So, like, you have Grazer and, and Haven kind of doing the heavy lifting for the uh, for the ramp here, along with, you guessed it, Uro, just four Uros, because you are playing Seder Wayfinder in this deck. So, um, and, like, you're even seeing less Nissa's Pilgrimage, which was, like, just an auto four of at the beginning of this format. But when you have less elves in your deck, you know, the original versions of this deck, I, you may have heard me talk about it a lot on the show in the past. I was a big fan of it right away. You had eight elves, like four Nissus Pilgrimages and a, another card or two to kind of like ramp you from like one to three to five. But now you have Uro in that spot that's actually just better in a lot of ways because it helps you find your gas and you don't have to play elves so you're not as bad against like Fatal Push or Shock as you were in the past. Uh, makes a lot of sense. There's also a copy of this deck in the top eight of the Super Qualifier. So... Uh, you know, two big finishes here um, from the same deck. Uh, so certainly the maybe the breakout deck of the week if there had to be one, because I don't think this deck was on a lot of radar. certainly wasn't on mine going into the weekend. But um, I think what, what happened is we're at a point where Ugin is good again. 
You know, it's not very good against Inverter, but an Inverter's still around. Um, but it is excellent against Mono White. You know, it is generally just, you know, good again, a good end game against aggressive decks. And this, unlike most ramp decks, like, this one actually does a lot of interacting. You know, your Urs are gaining life. If you can cast one early because of, say, the Wayfinder, that's, you know, sometimes just lights out. Wayfinder does some blocking. Cavalier ramps you and blocks. It even blocks things like an ensouled flying creature out of, is it ensouled? So uh, you're not going to fall super far behind against aggressive decks with this ramp deck. Uh, and then, it, you know, once you hit Ugin, it is, it's just game over. And since we're going to go ahead and like talk about the fact that it did well in both, it finished fourth place in the super qualifier. And I did want to talk about for two seconds. There's some small differences between the two, like whatever, you know, when it comes to the main deck, like you're seeing growth spirals and four Nisses pilgrimage in the other version. I did want to talk about the sideboard of this version and in it, they seem to really understand and address where one of the main problems of this deck is, even though we're seeing less spirits in the meta game. Spirits was always kind of like one of the decks that really beat up on this one because they would just counterspell one or two of your spells and have a quick clock and that's it. Like you're, you're like, because against other aggressive decks, if you're doing your thing, like if you're Wayfindering on two or like Uroing on three into Cavalier, into something big, that's good enough to beat decks that are trying to attack you with creatures. But when those creatures are also counterspelling your stuff, or tapping your creatures on the way down, that's hard for you to beat. But when you look in the sideboards, this one has A4 Mystical Dispute, right? Just probably the best sideboard card in the format anyway. You have blue mana. There are three Skylasher in this sideboard. And for everybody at home that doesn't know this one, this was a sweet sideboard card in its day. This one's this one's old. Uh, it's one in the green for a 2-2. It's got Flash. It can't be countered. And it's pro blue and has reach. All four of those abilities are really good against Spirits or us. Yeah, no, I remember uh, this card was sort of the bane of my existence uh, back in its day in Standard because that's when I was playing Mono Blue Devotion. And uh, I remember you could tell who really knew what was what out of the green-white decks because some people would sideboard Miscutter Hydra. They're like, yeah, Miscutter is so much better than Skylasher. Like, it can get really big. And the people that really knew what was what played Skylasher because they knew that they needed a better defensive creature Skylasher came down, stopped those early flyers, you know, blocked Nightville Spectres. That was the important one. You need to stop Spectre. Yeah, yeah. and then would turn the corner when you had something established, uh, or like you turn the corner with other things and leave that back, or you can suit it up with, um, what was the Armadillo Cloak? The Unflinching Courage? Yes, Unflinching Courage. And I want to point out something. I just had to name a card for you. And before the show, Ross and I were going over things and I could not name a single card to <laughs> save my life. I could not name Walking Ballista or Heliod. Literally just, could, I was like, hey, you know, the, the, the XX artifact that pings thing. As I had to, I had to literally like phonetically spell out the card for Ross so that he could, he could name it. And now I'm just like, yeah, obscure sideboard card from 2016. Got it. Yeah. Probably 2015, actually, at this point. Yeah, 2000, but 2014, even. Yeah, even. Yeah, so. No, Skylasher is no joke. And I agree with you. Uh, Spirits is definitely an issue for these decks. Um, and it, though we don't see it in the top eights here, you see a lot of Spirits in that top 16. It's definitely a deck that's seeing a lot of play. Um, it's a deck that you... I, I would wager it's like the third or fourth most played deck in the metagame right now. Yeah. I think, I think the deck is good. I think it's really cool, and I think people, like, here's the thing. People might have just owned a lot of that deck, too, right? Like, it was a deck in Modern where a ton of the cards poured over. You had some of the cards from Standard already, and that deck, I mean, when it got popular, it got, you know, expensive, but we're not looking at, like, you know, uh, Soul Tie or the, have you seen the price tag on Niv-Mizzet? 
Like these decks are like twice as expensive as spirits, whatever. And I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm a fan of this format when this deck is good, the blue green deck. Cause I, you know me, I like this kind of effect. I like these kind of decks. And if you like decks that are just like go over the top or do things with their lands, because I know you, you you're, you're also a fan of your lands doing something other than just casting your spells. Love love doing things with my lands. Yeah, this is this is the deck for you. You have two Blast Zone, three Castle Garenbrig, four Ipnu Rivulet in the deck. So like lots of things going on in the lands here. Ipnu, uh, Ipnu Rivulet, you know, obviously a, a concession to beating the Inverter decks. You have Castle Garenbrig to kind of, it's just another ramp spell with almost no downside. The thing is, this deck does have less forest than usual. You know, you're looking at four Yavamaya Coast, an actual factual island in this deck. You know, Ipnu Rivulet and stuff. But you're only looking at seven forests and four breeding pools. So it's a little rough to have this come into play untapped as much as you want. But you do have a lot of ways to cheat lands with uh, Seder Wayfinder and Cavalier Thorns. Honestly, but I'm surprised to not see any copies of Fabled Passage in this deck. Because they're playing... A row, and they have tireless tracker in the sideboard. At least one of the lists. Yeah, it's it's that was interesting to me as well. I think you might want to try to fit one, but the thing is, what land do you cut? Maybe you cut one of these rivulets because you don't. I don't know if you need four anymore. Probably cut like Hinterland Harbor, Yavamaya Coast. Like these things. You need you need Yavamaya Coast more than you need Hinterland Harbor. These decks have Thought Not Seer in them. Okay, yeah. So you need the you need the coast and rivulets because of Thought Not. So yeah, just like you know, cut two Hinterland Harbors and a forest, and play three Fable Passage in your deck. I'd have to try it out to see how much it like messes up your draws too, because like if that's if that's your third mana source, that's a huge tilt, you know, type thing. But yeah, if it's exactly your third, but like you are with it's like you don't you can play turn one very easily because either you grazer it into play and that's fine, or or you do that. Yeah, I guess grazering it into play is not very good because the, yeah, grazer is one that enters tapped. It really pisses me off that grazer has to land enter tapped and cavalier has it enter untapped because I can oh, yeah, never for- remember either of them. I, for, I'll tell you this. I've cast both these cards a lot. Yeah. Like, I've just got... I own four Cavalier of Thorns, which, like, it's not something everybody can say because that card's impossible to find. Uh, every single time I've resolved this card, or it's not, I've had to pick it up and read it. Because I'm like, there are so many abilities on this card <laughs> and so many words. I've just had Corey reach over the table on every time I've resolved it on Versus Live and just untap the land. And then I put it... It's actually, it just untapped. And then every time I find a temple, he's like, oh, you did it, you did it correctly. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> So uh, other other than that, I mean, like I'm a, I'm a fan of this deck. Um, I was about to say, you know, I would normally say this. I'm about to go sleeve this up and play with it. I think I own all this deck except for I'm like waiting for my last arrow to come in the mail. My friend has it, and so uh, I'm gonna wait <laughs> until you know for a little while to do that. It's not it's not worth it. So um, I'm excited about this deck, and when it's good in the format, I like it. Um, I'm trying to look. Was there another deck in this top eight that we kind of want to talk about? Uh, the the green black stompy deck made another appearance in this deck. It made the top four, so one went away, or you know, from from being a chance. And then this was the one that had uh, horn beetle in the main, which is something that we saw. I think I think a deck that won yeah. one of these a few yeah, weeks this ago. This looks very similar to that winning list from a couple weeks ago. I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room in this deck, but it's just another. It, it seems like we have a pretty well fleshed out tier two in pioneer right now you know tier one is basically just inverter not to say that inverter is broken uh it's just the only deck that is like consistently awesome mono white rose up and kind of took the crown for a little bit but we've seen you you don't see basically any mono white in these top eights i think there might be one across both events um and it's been getting you know hated out pretty easily we've seen the same thing happen with like lotus breach which recently popped up again um 
but the only deck that is just consistently there week in, week out is Inverter. And then there's decks that, like, for a brief time get into Tier 1, but then fall back out. And then there's these other decks that you don't see a lot of, but, you know, they just pop into Top 8s now and then. And it, that's like, you know, Isabin Soul, Golgari Aggro, uh, Mono Black Aggro, Mono Red Aggro. Um, I would put Spirits a little above them, but, like, Niv-Mizzet is probably in that category too. Azorius Control... Uh, and we see a lot of these exit uh, across these top eights, and like that—that that to me is you know a pretty good sign. You know, maybe eventually inverter has to go, but I think having it there at the top as that like perennial target um, is fine because it hasn't been overly dominant. No, absolutely. And uh, there was one other deck for sure that we wanted to spend some time on. And Ross has given me the the good the good nod here. You know exactly what I'm talking uh, the about. Shit nod. Yeah, the what? The dope shit? Nah, this is this is a deck that's near and dear to you. I know you like this deck a lot, and I do as well. Mono Blue Devotion made it into this top eight at fifth place. It's a uh, it's a mono blue shitters deck, you know, the kind of deck you and I both like, but it's also playing four Mutavolt, so I could get behind it right away. But this one's a little different than, you know, Mono Blue Devotion back in the day, and you may have seen some of these versions. We saw this one... Um, we saw this one about a, it was a week ago, two weeks ago. Week, I'm pretty sure that it took second yeah. place in a super qualifier. Yeah, because so. I keep calling it mono blue, but let's be real. There's four botanical sanctum and four breeding pool. There's like a hinterland harbor in this deck because it also has risen reef in it for the cool wombo combo of risen reef master of waves. It is a wombo combo. Um, I was about to say that's that's a that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of wombo and a lot of combo, yeah. especially because like the, you know it, it sort of naturally curves, doesn't it? Like. You, you do some interacting on the first couple turns. Maybe you play an Omen of the Sea. Then you play a Risen Reef on three. Then you play a Master of Waves, and you get, you know, th- maybe three-ish, uh, four, three or four tokens. You trigger Risen Reef a million times. Now you've probably got a bunch of extra lands in play. Maybe you can nick those. The very next turn, you're set up to Gadwick and draw a bunch of cards. And now you've got this huge battlefield of creatures. You can interact with their battlefield with Gadwick tapping everything down. Your hand is flush with resources. Uh, and everything's looking good. So that natural curve seems really powerful to me, and certainly powering this deck. Nice to see a repeat performance, and this list looks almost exactly like the one the week before. Yeah, I thought about trying to look up to see if it was the same person, but I, that thing's lost to history. I'd have to do so much scrolling. <laughs> yeah, I believe that list had a uh, a Harbinger of the Tides in the main instead of this Tidebinder Mage. I will say this, Tidebinder Mage is kind of cool, right? Like, we've seen red decks come up just a little bit, and, like, it gets to tap down Uro. Uro taps down, um, you know, mana creatures. Tireless Tracker, Cavalier Thorns, a lot of things that could just get in the way and be really annoying. It taps down Niv-Mizzet twice. Yeah, it gets both ends coming and going. So um, I do like this deck a lot. I love the sideboard in this deck. It gets to play three and null, which is a card you and I were both, like, this card is sneakily very good as a sideboard in this format because it's like your mystical dispute against mono white. You know, just counters almost their entire deck for one mana. So pretty cool one there. Um, you're looking at like some extra Tidebinder Mages, a bunch of Aether Gusts. I'm a big fan of ever ever getting to play Entrancing Melody as well. So I can't, if you're trying to win a tournament, I, I don't know if I can endorse this deck, but it's really cool. I mean... I, w- I want to start playing with this deck and see what, what it can do because it looks... Ross, if you, if you were going to play with this, is there a way that people could like watch you play it? Yeah, I might I might stream with this deck sometime soon. Um, I got to get a uh, 
an account set up with one of those services so I can start playing cool decks. One of those services is been yeah, announced. Yeah, uh, card rental services. You know what I'm talking about. But it looks like the same person as Uli86. They also made a pretty good run in the Super Qualifier. So they were they were 6-2 according to Goldfish. So they're probably somewhere in the top 16. So this same person. Yeah, okay. Wow. They were 28th. So I guess there was... This it was a big event. It was a big, yeah, big eight-rounder. Now they're, well, there's no, so they must have gone 6-3. Goldfish has it wrong. Because there's no way there are this many people who finished X1. Like, the tournament just, the Swiss just wouldn't be over. So right, right. They went, they went 6-3 in, in that event, playing a very similar list. So they've kind of picked it up and started championing it. But yeah. you know, I think at this, like, with a back-to-back weeks of showing some good finishes, it's definitely a deck that could be picking up soon. I'm a little bit worried about how well this deck plays against Mystical Dispute. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm a little worried about a lot of these decks that if a deck can cast it, they usually have four. Yeah. You know, I, kind I of thing. So, like, got two main, two of the sideboard. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, pretty cool to see that deck kind of making a splash. We'll have to see. You know what? I got to say, it's, it's firmly on the radar now, right? We talked about this when it first came up. I was like, I want to see if this deck puts up another result. Here it is. So, maybe we need to be on the lookout. But when we talked about the winning deck of the, the PTQ, yeah, I talked about you know a deck that I didn't expect to see again so soon, and when I want to talk about the deck that won the super qualifier, the deck that's on here as first place, um, this is a deck I did not expect to see again, and we haven't seen for quite a while. Uh, also, shout out to Dominic Harvey for getting first place in this event for winning this. Um, the mad scientist himself. This is black green Harden scales. Ross, what year is it? This this was a deck last year. Um, yeah, it was also kind of a deck into, yeah, it was really last year. I saw, I saw a little bit of it in the classic where I played Sultai Dredge. Um, it did well there, but that was surprising then because it had faded in like December. And, and I'll, once again, I, I, I don't see anything, you know, out of the ordinary here. This is the Harden Scales deck. You know, it's, it's funny when you talk about it fading, the, 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 you know, you like, when you think of a deck, you have like. A certain memory of it and it like puts you into a time you know what i mean like a yeah. time stamps or whatever when i think of this deck i think of being at home the week before leading up to the invitational and not going last year's winter invitational and every person and their mom trying to find vivian arcbow rangers and was posting on it and seeing the updates of like because the entire team lotus box paid this deck or almost every one of them and who was it, it was like uh casey or somebody bought like he spent like a thousand dollar store credit on boxes of m20 or whatever uh, yeah, M20 trying to find more of this card just so they could get more copies of it because this card went from like a $5 to $6 Mythic that nobody's playing to like a $40 Mythic overnight because the, you know, the deck did well and then everybody did like kind of okay with it. They realized the deck wasn't as busted as they thought and it kind of just like faded into obscurity, the deck itself. I remember that week so. and then the last minute I was like, I should probably add some Noxious Grasp to my sideboard because everybody is get playing asking for Vivians. Yeah. And that's what, because everybody wanted to play this deck, and me and you were just like, yo, just play Mono Black, it's the best deck. Because that was before Smuggler Copter got banned. Yeah. And that deck was messed up. So, um, pretty cool deck here. Um, very stock list. As we've said in the past, though, there is some cool stuff in the sideboard. There is three Witch Stalker in the sideboard. And you know what's hilarious in this format? Every now and then a card like this pops up, and it's like a it's like a, a hoser, a quote-unquote hoser. And I'm like, I forgot we had this card even legal in this format, but uh, Witchstalker is a one green, green, three, three. Uh, it's, it's a hexproof creature. And whenever your opponent casts a blue or black spell during your turn, so only during your turn, 
it gets a plus one plus one counter. So not the the, the best thing ever, but if you turn to this against a lot of the decks, you're in a pretty good spot. I mean, they can't be killed and it grows. And if you have it in play with the hardened skills, like you're getting two counters when they cast a spell on your turn. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I gotta believe, I gotta believe that when they were making this deck, they did the the gatherer search on creatures that had counters or could be have counters put on them, and this popped up, and they were like, "F it, put it the sideboard. It's <laughs> it's, it's good to match up. Go, you know, like because we have seen Inverter make quite a bit of a comeback in like the last week or two, and this is a card that's sweet against Inverter. Like they can't kill it. It's a big threat um, and stuff like that. And so. I don't know. I don't know, Ross. I'm not sure, but I wonder if people are going to start playing this deck again. I wonder if it's just been underrated this entire time. Like, is this deck good? Is Dom just a master? I think yes. Or can he, I just say yes? He did sneak into top eight at X2, but he had the, the highest breakers, which usually means that you were an X1 that lost. Right. Um, you lost the last round, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Um, this is my this is my deck to watch at this point. Like, it's Hardened Scales back. Have we, have we just been sleeping on this deck for so long? Yeah, you know, I'm looking through this top eight. Second and third place were both Inverter, so just blue-black decks. So maybe Witchstalker did some work there. Um, the fourth place deck was the the blue-green deck that we talked about earlier. Um, I did want to talk about the the fifth place deck. Have you, have you had a chance to look at this one yet? Oh, yeah. Little Super this deck, Friends. Yeah, this deck is sweet. So it's Super Friends, but with a twist, right? So you're looking at, uh, what what is this, like 12 Planeswalkers? Three, four, five, six, yeah, 14 Planeswalkers main in this Jeskai Super Friends deck. But it's got Fey of Wishes package, which is really cool. But we're a Fires of Invention deck. So this is kind of like the standard deck that was really, really good. Just poured it over into Pioneer. Yeah, gets to play Supreme Verdict. Um, they're playing this cheeky copy of Oath of Teferi. <laughs> there's there's an inter, there's four Interplanar Beacons in this deck as well. The Tri-Land that also gains a little bit of life. So it's a pretty cool. Also... Let's just talk about how good Elspeth Conquer's death is in this deck. There's always a good target in the because like Planeswalkers are generally the best thing to be getting off this card, and boy, do you just have all of them to get back. Uh, there's a Nahiri hanging out in this one. We talked about earlier how Nahiri is just really, really cool yep. and good in this format. Though the ultimate leaves a lot to be desired in this mat in this deck because you could only go get Fey of Wishes get, in the main. Fey of Wishes but, in your hand might might be good, but. Yeah, it would be nice to see, like, one thing to tutor for, but probably unnecessary, especially because you only have the one Nahiri, so... Yeah. There's even some really cool, um... Like, I, I guess they can cast this card, obviously, but there's a Nicobolus Dragon God in the sideboard. All the abilities. You know how awkward it has to be playing this deck on Moto? Like, yeah. okay, Nicobolus Dragon God. Uh, right-click. Which of the 17 abilities do I want to use? Yeah. And there's a casualties of war in the sideboard, which kind of like blows my mind. This has to be is this a is this a mess up or oh I guess you could fire it right like yeah, you can yeah. you can tutor for it and use fires yeah I'm, I'm stupid. Tutor of weird stuff. I gotta say I'm so happy to see that the sideboard is restrained. It's not just 15 one ofs. Yeah, you actually get to bring in some real cards in matchups where you need them. You got a couple sweepers. You got a couple threats here. You got a damping sphere for Lotus Breach. Got an unmoored ego for combo decks. You know, and then this one possibility storm, which locks your opponent out of the game if you have Teferi Time Raveler. So you, you can, if you want to tap with Teferi and, and fires, you can go Fave Wishes for possibility storm, cast it, and then they just don't get to resolve any more spells. So you even have this like lo this prison lock that can get people, you know, as early as what turn five. Yeah, yeah, with like the nuts or whatever. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, 
lots of really cool results from this weekend. Uh, what's old is new again. We've been seeing this kind of uh, thing going on in the format for a few weeks now, which is pretty cool, right? And this is this is how formats have kind of happened in the past. Whenever they get to be kind of an internal format, is you see a deck be really good, it gets kind of hated out, and then the the rotation starts happening, right? Like you know the decks that were good before start to move back. Like hey, hey guys, you forgot about me, you know, kind of thing. So we'll have to see if this was a this was a Dominic Harvey thing because. The man's a master. He just, just wins every tournament that he plays in, you know. And uh, we'll have to see if this is an actual thing that's going to start happening again. Are we going to start seeing, you know, these decks again? I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll have to wait. See how this thing works out. Are you? Are you? I thought you were going to try to transition to our next segment and skip over the fact that two is headed soul decks or the rest of the. Or oh, I was a hundred percent not letting you talk about is in soul. There were two <laughs> incident soul decks that finished in the top eight but did not win any matches in the top eight. There you go. You happy? I mean, I'm happy to see is it insulted Zoldan well next week. Yeah, I mean, at least someone could win with it, right? They're, they're both, there are two identical lists, too, so you, you have to assume that they work together, uh, which is impressive. And then, I mean, you just, like, completely just went over my burn. You didn't even didn't even register it, I see. Nope. God, Ross, you disappoint me. What's the what's the item in Pokemon that heals burns? Is it just called dude, burn heal? Dude, come on. I, I can't even name more than five Pokemon. I did the Sporkle quiz for Gen 1 Pokemon the other day, just on a lark, and I got, like, 60 of them. If my life depended on it, I would just save both me and the other person time and just tell them to shoot me. (laughs) Like, yeah, we're just done here. You have to be able to name at least 10 Gen 1 Pokemon. Here's the funny thing. I don't know what Gen 1 means. The the first game, Blue and Red. Okay, okay, real quick. Um, So you can uh, name the three starters. I don't know what that means. What, Uh, What were your three options at the beginning of the game? I've never played the game. You literally never. Oh my god! I've never played any Pokemon anything in my life. I've seen the cards. Uh, there's Pikachu. Yep. There's Pikachu. Charmander. That's one of the starters. Oh, is it? Okay. Yep. Pikachu, Charmander. Uh, there's the fire starter, the water starter, and the grass starter. I have literal no idea. What's the Pokemon Emma Handy loves? Uh oh god. Like what? What is it? I, I know it, but I, I can't Bulbasaur. think of it right now. That's the grass. Starter. Is it Bulbasaur? Is yeah. that what you said? And then the, okay, the, so. The, That's a little rhino-looking dude, right? The little chubby rhino-looking dude? It's not a rhino. It turns into a dinosaur, but it's got a plant dude, growing on the back of it. Okay, we're, we're going to skip this because I do not know Pokemon. So like, then Squirtle uh, is the water one. People in our Discord had... A, I knew Squirtle. I knew that one. People in our Discord had a lot of fun with this like a month or two ago where um, that when I drove to Orlando and back, I didn't ask me anything, and they found out that I didn't know Pokemon. So one of the people in our Discord had fun with, they would just post a picture of a Pokemon, and I had to name it. And I was just like, you know, making up really oh, yeah. random. And I, I know how game. the the names kind of go. You know, it's like it's like Bulbasaur or, or Pikachu. You know, it's like you know that kind of thing. So I was like doing some fun with it. And one of them actually got really close to the names. So they they got a good kick out of that there's or a, whatever. Uh, but there's a snake Pokemon whose name is Ekans, which is just snake spelled backwards. There's a uh, there's a Pokemon that's a large uh, bee with drills for hands. It's called Beedrill. They got real creative. I wish you could see my face right now, everybody at home. I really wish. There's there's three legendary birds at the end of the game that you can catch, and they have the Uno, Dos, and Trace in them. So there's Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. <sighs> all right. Anyway, speaking of Pokemon and Kaiju and all that kinds of crazy stuff, have you seen these spoilers? I have. See, I know what a Kaiju is. Well, I found that out when it was asked of us in a mailbag question, and then I Googled it before the show happened. I was like, oh, oh, did you actually not know? That's, oh, that's I, really I funny. I had no clue. I didn't even realize. I thought, like, Godzilla was a, like, one-off movie that they did. I didn't even realize they had done, like, 
eight of them or something, or however many they've made. I think there's like I think there's yeah, something like fifteen to twenty. 15, now. Yeah, two dozen of them. Who, who the hell? Yeah, I had no idea it was like this huge film franchise that people were big fans of. Yeah, I think I talked about this. I, I actually really liked the, the the reboot. I guess this one's a reboot, the one that came out about six years ago, five years ago. Um, I really liked that one, the one that came out about a year or two ago. Not as much, but I'm looking forward to the next one where it's like him versus King Kong. It's it's supposed to come out on my birthday this year. We'll see if they keep that or not, because they might not have to change stuff. But I'm excited to see that movie. I love I love. Here, here's the thing. Every now and then I'm just in the mood to go watch like a quote unquote like disaster movie or like the movies where they're just going to blow a lot of shit up or you know what I mean? Like the the, the prototypical action movie where it's just 100 miles an hour. Like There's like the five minutes of, t- of, of story and they're just like go 100. Explosions. Yeah. Car just, chasing. Yeah. Uh, solar. Yeah. Solar flares. Yeah. Like solar flares. You know, just everywhere. Yeah. It's I don't know. There's something about it. And every now and then it's just fun. Like I like to like make a drink, get a you know bag of potato chips or something. And it's like, yo, this is going to be fun. You know, give me my raisinets. Give me my ruffles or whatever. We're good to go. Or, or do popcorn and chocolate. Hell yeah. You ever had that together? Like you ever had popcorn and M&Ms together? It'll blow your mind. Um, so no. And I like, I'm never, I've never been a big fan of the sweet and salty. You oh, know, yeah. a, oh, yeah. a little like flaky sea salt on some dark chocolate, sure. Oh um, god! But I've never been a big fan of that stuff. My mo- although I guess I I kind of am because my movie snack of choice is Goobers, which is just salty peanuts covered in chocolate. But it's not, yeah, they're not overly salty. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that kind of snack or whatever. It's just it's just good stuff. Like I, I don't know. Also specifically, uh, the yellow M Ms, the peanut like the oh, yellow bag oh, that's, if you tell me to eat any sort of m&ms i will only eat peanut m&ms i've had other ones and they're just not as good yeah, i will I, this I is the hill like i will die on M&Ms as a kid but even and they're still fine but no, yeah nothing ever beats peanut m&ms uh i did have another good one this one it's harder to find you can't find this. there's almond m&ms there are almond m&ms i actually haven't tried those i bet i'd like those quite they're good I, I went too hard on them. I got like a giant bag of them and I was like playing a video game or something and doing it and like eating them. And I'm talking like not one of like not the king size bag. I'm talking like the the family bag, you know, the one that's resealable because there's so many there. And it's ate like the whole bag over the course of a day. And I was like, I don't feel so good, man. <laughs> maybe, Jesus maybe, Christ. maybe it wasn't the whole bag. You know what I mean, I ate a lot of it. Yeah, that is uh, that's a day. That's your M&M intake is both Herculean and dangerous to your health. Oh yeah. But it's it's like my favorite kind of um my favorite kind of candy. I like um you know any kind of like uh this is obviously somebody at home's going to giggle like any kind of nut that's like covered in like you know like chocolate, dark chocolate, anything like that. You know uh, like almond joy is one of my favorite things in the world. In fact, I one of the main reasons I went to the grocery store this morning besides the alcohol is they make an almond joy cookie. And it is my favorite cookie in the entire world. So it comes of like they're it's made in the deli in the uh, the deli section, so it's not just like it's not it's not like a Nestle product or anything. It's it's literally they make it there. It's it's from that that grocery store. It's the only place I found it. Like they like some lady who works there makes it right. They just put it in the box. This box will not survive my house probably twenty four hours. And there's like ten cookies in it, and they're the big cookies, Ross. So, you know, like the bigger thicker ones. I'm not talking about like you know little like uh, like a little like, like a Nestle. Yeah, nothing like a famous Amos size. I'm talking about like it's probably like seven times that size. It's a big, thick cookie. Like you can break it apart and stuff. And Ross, it's so good. When you when you when you come visit, we'll we'll have some. Tannen, if you like almond joys, mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you a link in our chat here. Oh my god! I bought these this? for my mother for Christmas this last year. 
because she loves almond joys. It's her favorite candy. And she said it it was incredible. Okay, I'm definitely ordering this right now. Hopefully they can ship this they out right are, now. <laughs> they are out of the six bar box and the twelve bar box. So you're kinda beat for now. But you at least I will I'll look I'll look at alternative things. I'll look and see if it's on Amazon. <laughs> they even have a well, this is from a specific, you know, chocolatier that makes them. I doubt they Amazon's so. got everything, Ross. Sure, I don't know. But look look at the description there. Uh anyway, keep talking. Go ahead. Uh so uh, I'm I'm with you on the on the peanut M so that's a that's a top tier candy bar. I was trying to think about which candy bars I really like, and it, the number one for me has always been Baby Ruth, and then past that they can sort of go in any order. But I think the next four would be uh, peanut M and M's, uh, almond joys, Kit Kats I really like, and Twix bars. So like See, those five. Those are okay. Um, all those are okay. I, I like almond joys. I actually like mounds because they use the dark chocolate, and I like dark chocolate with coconut or whatever because it's actually a different chocolate than they put on the the almond joy. Or whatever. Um, I do like some of the other. Did you ever have uh, what was the candy bar that was in Richie Rich? Uh, not his. It was Nutrageous or whatever. I liked Nutrageous. Or whatever. I don't know if they still make that one or not. This shows you how much I eat candy or whatever. Um, I will say this: anytime I was on a road trip, which less and less over the last few years because I've started flying to all the opens and stuff. But road trips, like you, you have to stop at a gas station, get like a monster, a bag of chips, and like a candy bar. It's it is a law. You have to do this. It is a rite of passage. You have to. That. What's that? I never do that. Well, why not? Well, one, I don't drink energy drinks. Well, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, I just refuse to drink them. They, they, but here's the thing: if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be driving a dangerous amount and at late at night when I'm supposed to be sleeping, I need something. Have you ever seen me take an energy drink? No. I'm I'm naturally a high strung like hyper dude, and I don't intake caffeine. So think about when I drink caffeine, especially something like that. I'm surprised I'm not out behind the car pushing it to make it go faster. <laughs> it's like, uh, what was the, the energy drink that they spoofed on How I Met Your Mother? Tantrum? Yeah. Oh, tantrum. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, Whatever it is, they would yell it. Half. Yeah. Tantrum! They would just, like, yell it. And stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, I'm looking at this uh, candy bar still, and, like, that's why I sound a little distracted. It's got a Florida Lee kind of thing going on with it. So, I'm like, how do I not know about this? Anyway. Let's okay. They're, I, they're based in Seattle, so. That makes a lot of sense, Ross. That's about as far from me as you can get in this country. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We should probably talk about some some preview cards here. Yeah. There uh, are several that I think have a, a chance to burst into Pioneer. And if this set is anything like the last set, it will completely reshape the format. So. Yeah. So some of the cards that I'm pretty cool that I like, um, the, the first list is all the cards that we joked about, the the legendary nightmare elemental beast creature dragon cats. <laughs> I can't do that again. Don't make me do that again. That just kind of happened naturally. But um, I don't know if any of them are going to make, like, huge impacts. Like, you know, you might see, like, a one-of. Like, I don't think they're going to spawn a deck kind of thing, right? But I could see maybe one of these showing up in, like, a Niv-Mizzet kind of shell because it, like, just does something in particular that it needs. But I did talk about the fact that I do think the Sultai one could possibly show up as a one-of in Sultai, because at worst, it's a 6-6 Trampler for 5 mana, which is, like, a good enough card to get the game over with. But also, um, you can cast it for its mutate ability, right? You can... Oh, using its mutate ability from the graveyard. And there's so many ways to get it in the graveyard in that matchup with... uh In that deck with Seder Wayfinder and with Jace Vren's Prodigy that it's kind of just, like, a why-not card. I just don't know if you have the slot, yeah, you know, ready for uh, it. I, I would be skeptical if it is worth the slot, but it could sneak in as, like, a, a singleton. Um, I just don't think it does enough. 
of these five, the only one I really think has a, any shot in Pioneer is Vadrock, just because it's easily the cheapest one. Um, and there's definitely some cool things that you can target with it. Not, sh- I don't think it really has a home. There's not really a deck, you know, to like fit a just guy. Yeah. I don't think it's powerful enough to really spawn its own. Um, well, here's the thing: if if you if you can make it mutate enough, like you could put it in, like the Jeskai Planeswalker deck with all the you know three mana Planeswalkers, but like I don't even think that's good because like you can't reliably mutate this card enough. Yeah, like that, that that is the issue. Like the decks that would use its ability well enough that exist right now aren't going to be able to mutate it. The decks that mutate it won't be able to use the ability. So, um, and you know, it, it does not strike me as powerful enough to you know force you to build around it and be happy doing so. Um, the cards that I do think have a really strong shot we talked about before the show are the black and white mythos yeah uh, cycle the you know, mythos of netheroi is an incredibly powerful removal spell just baseline is better than murder which you know obviously wouldn't see play but green white black destroy target non-land permanent you know hero's downfall is a critical part of the metagame this also destroys things like wilderness reclamation um fires of invention destroys you know uh, random artifacts that are in soul and in soul, you know, in that matchup. So, it uh, you know, if they in soul a dark Soul citadel, you can just destroy the enchantment. Uh, so a lot of upside here. Um, on, and honestly, like this card is so so powerful as a removal spell. I can see you just put it playing a deck with Abzan cards in it to be able yeah. to get to play four of it. Yeah, like when I see this card, let me read it at home for everybody because this one's a little wordy. It's two and a black for destroy target non-land permanent if it's a creature or if green-white was spent to cast this spell. So um, at two and a black, it's just murder. If you spend Abzan, black, green, white, it kills anything but a land. This is an instant, so this is a pretty flexible card. So maybe it's time to dust off those siege rhinos. Here's the one thing I did I did talk about with the mythos cards that are cool and they don't immediately get slotted into a deck is you can't find these off Nivmizid. These are not they're they're multicolor but not like this is a black card because it's two and a black so you can't get this off Nivmizid's trigger and you can't cast it off like you know one of the lands and other formats that tap for like multicolored spells right so you have to have like the hard way of doing this. I do think this card is very good. Um, I think this card is definitely going to show up in something just because it's such a flexible card and it's just such a good removal spell. Uh, the white mythos that you and I were talking about, I was going to let you talk about it, but I'm going to read it for everybody at home again. New cards, lots of words. Uh, two white white for a sorcery, and uh, it's pretty much tragic arrogance with a little with a little extra. It's, uh, each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker from among the nomland permanents they control, then sacrifice their rest. If you, split, if you spent black red to cast a spell, you choose the permanents for each player instead. So... If you Mardu this, maybe this deck should be called Mardu in it, because if you Mardu this, it's probably going to be pretty bad for them. Yeah, it's literally just Tragic Arrogance if you spend the red-black. Otherwise, it's a Tragic Arrogance, but they get to choose uh, for themselves. So you definitely don't want to be playing this card unless you can consistently pay the Mardu mana. Unless you can kick it. Yeah. I'm using quotations, kick it. Um, but a four-mana Tragic Arrogance, you know, Every mana reduction is significant, and there's definitely a lot of decks that would like to play a card like this that probably just don't consistently get to five mana. Um, you know, decks with very low curves. Uh, I'm thinking like aristocrat-style decks, um, especially because you do actually sacrifice the rest, so you can sort of go off with um, what you call it, the devil, yeah. If you want to do it that way, um, but this is a really powerful effect for decks that can use it. 
my one my reservation with this card would just be is there a home for it like yeah uh, i think the card itself is certainly good enough it's just whether or not it, it finds a spot and so it this is not a card that will that i think we'll see play immediately because the metagame isn't that ripe for it uh but it's a card i will continuously have my eye on yeah and a card that actually could possibly go with it is the next one that we're going to talk about, and that's Luminous Broodmoth. So this is two white-white for a 3-4 flyer. Um, the ability is where you're really getting your, your money's worth here, though. It says, when a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. So this card's pretty cool, right? Like, this is a lot of value. Um, might not be good enough for Pioneer. We'll have to see. But the reason why I want to talk about this is this card is cool and it gets people brewing, and there's a lot of infinite combos with this card. Uh, what's the name of the enchantment that we mentioned? Solemnity. Solemnity goes a long way with this one. With that and just like uh, a lot of other cards that are in this format that have sacrifice outlets as a creature, you can go infinite with this creature. So a lot of cool things to do there. Might actually work with Mythos of... Uh, is it really Mythos of Spandex? Snapdax. Oh, that's an N? Okay, I had it, I have it really... So whenever I'm recording this... I have Ross up on one screen. I have four things up on the other screen. So I have it kind of like, I can see one or two cards right now. That it said spandex. I was like, come on. My, uh, <laughs> spandex. But, that's uh, that's going to be in the next unset. Yeah. Spandex. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a guy on the couch, like, you know, with the pants on or whatever. Love it. Um, but Luminous Brewmouth is definitely a card that can get people brewing. Um, I don't think we should, you know, spend a lot of time talking about it. I think it's a cool one with a cool yeah. ability. I expect to see this card in standard, but I agree. I think it's a little bit below par in Pioneer, unless one of the combos ends up just, like, playing really well. Like, if, if Solemnity is a good card, like a hate card that matches up well against a specific metagame, then yeah, adapt with it and Brewmouth might be good. Everyone's back to playing... Uh, playing dom's deck everyone's back playing hardened skills and you're like solemnity what's up yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh the card after this that i kind of want to talk about for a second is another card that i do think is going to make waves you see where i'm going with here i think it's gonna make waves in standard not so sure about pioneer but i think it has a chance and that's c dasher octopus so uh yeah shut up ross you loved it shut up you loved it and uh what you have what? no idea i'm so uh, mad why i'm so mad were you gonna make the joke no but i woke up this morning Okay. And I went and checked previews uh, like a little after 11 because I figured that's when a bunch of them would come in. And I saw this card. And I was so happy. I love this card. And I thought, oh, this is what I'll write my article about this week. And uh, for those that don't know, like, we have a an SCG Writers Slack channel. And it's basically like first come, first serve with what you want to write about. You go to Cedric, say, I want to write about this. He, he approves. And once he's approved, you just, we have a, a channel for what everybody's writing about. And you just post in that channel. And as soon as you post it, like, it's yours. Emma Handy beat me by six minutes. I'll teach you to, to sleep get in. in. And swipe this card for this week. I am livid. You gotta be livid, careful. Tannen. She lives in the East Coast again now, so she's in your time zone. You got to be careful, man. She's she's not going to be sleeping later because she's on the West Coast anymore. Livid. I I understand. So for everybody at home that uh, doesn't know what this card does, it's one blue blue for a two two with flash, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. It also mutates for one in a blue, and a flashing mutate card is kind of cool because I will say this for for standard and for um for limited, this card's really sweet and very powerful. All those triggers happening at instant speed are going to be pretty sweet. Like getting able to trigger mutate in the middle of combat is kind of gross. But um, I got to say this: this is something that could possibly come up in Pioneer. It's definitely going to come up standard. This alongside uh, Brazen Borrower 
get, get ready to get Timboed out. It, it's going to happen. We already have a deck that could possibly play a version or two of this in um, Spirits because we've seen them play stuff like Curious Obsession in the past. And this is just a card that you can, that's a, another creature, so it's another threat that does that kind of effect by mutating onto something at instant speed as well. So it can kind of maybe fill that slot of like the one or two slot of a, um, of being like a flexible card for the deck. Not sure if it makes it, but this is definitely something to look for and to think about. Yeah, you know, if you want extra copies of Curious Obsession and Pioneer, I and I think you would play more than four if you could, uh, this card is really good. And it's not a card, you're, you're going to utilize the flash a lot. You know, you play your one drop, you attack, you have your two man up. Maybe they play a creature that you don't really care about. You get to f- mutate this on their end step while they're tapped out because they played their creature and then untap and have all of your mana untapped to protect your creature that is now drawing you an extra card every turn. Whereas with Curious Obsession, you always had to commit that one extra mana and you always had to commit it on your main phase. Um, it, it, that really is a huge difference. And you're definitely going to want to pair this with a lot of one-mana flyers, same way with Curious Obsession, so they actually fit into the same style deck because you want to get Evasion on it. And, you know, with Flash Creatures, Brazen Borrower, obviously great. You know, I played a bit in Historic with Mono Blue Tempo on a Versus Live episode recently and had a blast with it. This card would be very welcome there. Uh, and I I could definitely see it being a key card in a a Tempo deck in, in Pioneer. Just, it, it is... It really is very, very powerful. Just mutating onto any sort of evasive threat. And honestly, like, even as a standalone against a control deck, that's fine. Just the three-mana 2-2 flash by itself. If they're not playing many blockers, you know, you'll you'll live with that. So um, I'm, this, is, to me, is one of the best cards that previewed thus far. And I, I honestly expect it. I expect to see a, a good amount of it in standard because I think the tempo decks are sort of, like, tier two right now. And this card really does help them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely think this card is going to be make, make some waves in the next couple sets. So, uh, another card that we wanted to talk about that's pretty cool here, uh, especially for you Commander fans at home, this one's going to be a Commander favorite as well, but we think this has a chance of maybe showing up, is Bastion of Remembrance. This is an enchantment that's two and a black. Uh, when it enters play, you create a 1-1 white human soldier token, but whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Obviously, super kind of big card for Commander, but... Maybe this is a card that helps kind of reinvigorate one of those, uh, you know, we saw this at the very beginning of the format, people playing Rally the Ancestor type decks, you know, things like that. Just another way to um, have that kind of effect that doesn't die to like Fatal Push. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, get taken out by creature removal and this just sits in play. It also makes a creature when it comes into play. So it's not like it's just, just sitting there with no extra value and getting the kind of redundancy out of this card is nice. Yeah, you know, it, it compares... Basically, you're playing one extra mana. Like, a lot of these cards have been two mana 1-1s. One, Zulipur card throw it, I guess, like, Cruel Celebrants, a 1-2. Blood Artist was an 0-1. And they all have, like, slight differences. But you're playing two mana for a, a, a an almost irrelevant body that can is very squishy and, and dies to most removal and things like Mayhem Devil. Um, and But you get this really powerful effect when it stays on the battlefield and you get to assemble these synergies... And if your goal is to assemble the synergies, having the effect stapled to a permanent that is much harder to remove is a pretty big gain, and I think worth spending a mana. Um, so I expect this card to see significant play. I don't know if the if this is if that's what was holding back the aristocrat decks in Pioneer, like not having uh, threats that they can 
uh, keep around uh, and to assemble those synergies. I'm just not sure if those synergies right now are powerful enough to contend with what else is going on in the format. But this is a significant upgrade for those style of decks. If that's you know if that's the kind of magic that you like to be playing, Bastion of Remembrance is great because that's the exact exact card that you need to stick around. And it's just going to be so hard to remove when it's on an, an enchantment. You don't lose anything because you do get that body that comes along with it. Uh, and this is definitely a card that I, I, I expected to see play in standard uh, because sacrifice decks are already doing well there. Uh, I'm just not sure if it's really what the the pioneer style aristocrats pioneer aristocrat style decks needed to get pushed over the top. But uh, definitely a, a great design here. Absolutely. Uh, one of the next ones we're going to talk about. This one possibly has some far-reaching uh, implications in other formats as well, kind of like the Eternal format, so we'll see. But uh, Dranath Magistrate, it's, I feel like every set has one hate bear in it, you know, one of these white prison-y effect creatures or white-blue creatures, and we'll see if it's going to be good or not. This one's interesting. So it's one and a white for a 1-3, and it says your opponent can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. So... This doesn't have a wide-reaching effect across the format, but I do like it against decks like Sultai. Yeah, you know, obviously designed to help against Escape, which they knew was a powerful mechanic that they pushed pretty hard. Um, also hits things like Experimental Frenzy, hits like Cascade. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of little things it hits, and I don't think that adds up to a card that becomes a good hate bearer in a general sense. But if there are, are matchups where its ability specifically is quite relevant, then sure. Uh, and against Sultai, yeah, that ability is going to be quite good against them. It's going to, you know, or their deck is trying to Uro a lot, and they're also trying to cast spells with Jace um, Telepath Unbound. So stopping both of those in one body is nice. You know, it still dies to their removal pretty easily. Um, so it, it can't be, it's not going to be that good. Um, in the matchup, unless you have ways to protect it, like if you're the the Orzov Auras deck, uh, maybe this is something you want. If you need more help against um, Sultai Delirium, but this you know just add this to the list of hate bears that you can play and keep it in mind. And if it's good, it'll be good. If it's not good, don't play it. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to see. That's one of those cards that. I mean, like I said, there's one in every set. We'll see if this one turns out to to be one of the ones that can actually break into some sideboards. I don't think it'll ever make main decks, but you never know. There might be a time where that's just like the best deck and you're playing an aggressive deck of white. And so that one's uh, moving into... stop um, Bring Delight against Nimbus. Oh, that's true. It does stop Bring Delight. That's actually that's actually a big deal. And that deck doesn't have as nearly as much spot removal as Sultai. I actually yeah. think that's even more relevant. And Nimbus did just win the PTQ. Yeah, it's very true. All right, now we're going to get into the gold cards, and there's quite a few in here that we wanted to talk about, Ross. And I think you were kind of big on General Kudo. Yeah, this Kudrow. is actually what I am writing my article this week about. That'll be live on Thursday. It's kind of funny. On stream, I've been telling people that this card wasn't going to be that good. But the more I look at it and the more I've thought about it, the more I've come around to it. Um, in particular, I like... Um, it, well, I guess for in Pioneer, I guess we'll focus on there. There has been a human stack that I think is like kind of close to breaking through. The mana in the deck still isn't great, and obviously this card doesn't do anything to help that. Though, um, in my article, you'll you'll see a four color humans list that is basically base Orzov, and so this card's pretty easy to cast in it. You've got like Bloodsoak Champion, Thraben Inspector as the low end of your curve, Kite Self Freebooter, and Glitzleaf Siphoner. 
Uh, and Siphoner is important because you're playing Aether Hub to help the mana, and so you have this like those two energy cards uh, that go well together. That is a human. Um, and then you're basically just splashing blue for Reflector Mage and Mantis Rider, and then red just for Mantis Rider uh, at the top that end sounds, of the card. That sounds ambitious to me, but... Uh, well, you've got Mana Confluence, Aether Hub, and Unclaimed Territory. That's true. So... Right. Um, I'm going to read the card for everybody at home oh, real yeah, quick so they know what we're talking about. Yeah, so it's one black-white for a 3-3. Three, three. Other humans you control get plus one, plus one. Big draw there already. Uh, whenever this or another human enters the battlefield area you control, exile target card from opponent's graveyard. This is great. It's going to hit a lot of arrows. You know, just one curve in a lot of ways, too. And uh, you can pay two, sacrifice two humans, destroy target creature of power four or greater. So it's got a little, like... A little bit of everything in here, right? It's a lord effect. It's a big creature for its cost. It does a. It has a come into play effect, so you get some value with it, you know, no matter what. And it has a removal spell tacked onto it too, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I can't see that ability getting activated too much, but maybe there's a spot where you, you want to do it. It's more like for like I'm I'm guessing like token effects type thing. Yeah. You know. You know, in in, in standard, there's Hero of Precinct One and Worthy Knight that both make human tokens. Uh, and that's where I'm looking to abuse General Kudra there. Um, but I think in Pioneer, that ETB ability and the, just a the little bit of graveyard hate is going to help out quite a bit against Dig Through Time and Inverter, against Uro, as you mentioned, um, and against like Jace, you know, Telepath Unbound, um, all of those things that you can just dis now just do a little bit of disrupting. Because the human deck has always been, you know, very aggressive, but also gets a little bit dis of disruption in there. So we've got our Reflector Mage, we've got our Kite Self Rebooter. We don't get to play Thalia in Pioneer, but now we get a little bit of Graveyard Hate, which is, seems to be uh, pretty good against what people are doing. We're seeing a lot of Uros around. So, uh, and the, the fact that I already wanted to be sort of base Orzov meant it wasn't a stretch on the mana. Um, it would, and so it's a, a pretty significant upgrade for the deck. No. Yeah, big big fan of this card. The more I read it, the more I like it. You know, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, also, that, that bodied pioneer, three mana, three three. Yeah, doesn't die a wild slash. Doesn't die to fatal push unless they have fable passage. So I, that actually is in a sweet spot in the format to live. And when your anthems live, you know you win the game as a tribal aggro deck. Yeah, absolutely. I, I expect to see this card uh, make some big effects somewhere. You know, in some formats, even all the way down to possibly modern. Um, next card, uh, for me, it's got my early vote for most overhyped card, possibly, so far in the set, um, though it does read pretty powerfully at times, just cards like this always seem to kind of underperform my build, in, in my opinion, and that is Fiend Artisan. Um, it is a hybrid black-green card, so it's either black-black, or, it's two mana, black or green. It's two Golgar Golgari mana. There you go, two Golgari mana, it's a 1-1. One, one. Um, it does get plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. And then it has an ability of X, Golgari, Tap. I got it right. Uh, sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. You can only use this as a sorcery. So it's kind of like Birthing Pod. Or, yeah. It's, it's kind of like Green Sun Zenith. It's kind of like Green Sun Zenith, yeah. It's, like, it's more like Birthing Pod because you have to sacrifice a creature, but then I was like, wait, it's got X. So it's like a Birthing it's like Pod. Zenith and Pod stapled together. Yeah. It, and here's the thing. I think cards like this are generally like overreacted to. You know, I've, I've seen people all the way from this card's good, this card's cool, dude, this card's broken type thing. And I'm like, eh, I didn't really look at it twice. Like, I'd be pretty happy if my opponent was playing this card in their deck most of the time. Their deck's probably inconsistent. And, like, this card itself, I think, is less powerful than it looks. But maybe it is good. I don't know. 
Uh, I agree with you that I think this card is being overhyped. This might be the single card I got asked the most about when I streamed on Sunday. It's very flashy. And every single time someone asked about it, I was like, what card is that again? It's like four times in a row. I just looked it up four times. Oh, it's that card again. Okay. It, it is flashy. And um, uh, but to me, though, are, are you playing this as a really efficient creature, as basically a Tarmogoyf? Or are you playing this as a utility creature? And if you're playing it as a... I guess, like, you get to do both. Um, but you never... It's rare that, like, you're going to do both in the same game. Right, right. right? You're either going to... And like, and if you build your deck in a certain way to either... to take it, You sort of build your deck to take advantage of the X ability or take advantage of the, you know, make it big and stack my graveyard ability. Um, then you're going to end up using it, that part of the card or that aspect of the card, a lot more than the other. And so I don't think you're ever really going to maximize the text of what is there, um, especially because the ability is a sorcery. So it's not like you can sit behind it against an aggro deck and like get value on their end step while having this four four five five six six blocker. You know, maybe you're supposed to like play it early, sack a few creatures to get your value, and then turn the corner. And now that it's big, because you've put put cards in it, but that that also seems ambitious. It seems like a little clunky to me. Like it, you know, you're playing it on turn two. Like, like how are we curving? It's like turn one, we're playing, you know. A creature we want to sacrifice like a blister pod or something and turn two we're playing this and our turn three what are we, are we just sacking the blister pod and putting another two drop into play maybe we just like get another fiend artisan and then we grizzly salvage and have some four fours you're putting in a lot of work and i'm not really sure what you're getting out of it that's the thing for me is i always feel like cards like this you have to put in a lot of work and the rest of your deck suffers because of it because you're putting cards that on their own don't stand up well if that makes sense you know what i mean they're not as good like do you really want to be registering blister pod? Like I don't in general. So, um, look, I'll eat my words when this card is good. That, that's fine. I just think these cards are generally overhyped. Uh, next one, kind of wanted to talk about uh, another cool one. Got previewed today, uh, like while we were doing our pre-show stuff. Uh, is this Loris of the Dream Den? Is that how you pronounce this? The uh, the new cat. Yeah. So this card's pretty cool. So it's one Orzov Orzov. Got it again. I like what you did. Uh, it's a 3-2. This card has Companion. And for it to be your Companion, each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less. So it can't even be played in its own deck if it wants to do that. Um, it has Lifelink, but here's the big here's the big sale. During each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell converting mana cost two or less from your graveyard. This reads pretty powerful, Ross, and it just is asking to be broken in some way. Um, a lot of hype behind this card. People think this might get, you know, some kind of combo-ish type thing going. There's a lot of cool things you can do with this for sure. That's. I mean, I can't imagine, like, this isn't going to create any sort of infinite loop because you can only do it once per turn, right? Um, you only get the one cast. To me, uh, this card does read pretty nicely, right? I do like, you know, this... You can imagine either just playing it on turn three as like a reasonable lifelink body, or you played on turn four and immediately cast a one drop that has died earlier in the game, and now you've gotten some immediate value out of it. Uh, is pretty nice. I don't imagine using it as a companion, and so far I've been really unimpressed with trying to do that. You know, there's some payoff, right? You get you effectively get to have an eighth card in your opening hand, or an extra card in your opening hand, I guess, and. 
Um, you know, you get an increase in consistency. Like you, if you're a Luris companion deck, you always have a three drop. If you need it on curve, you always have that open to go three Luris on four plus the one drop. So you're like going to be willing to trade your one drop pretty often, knowing that that's going to happen very consistently. So you get some benefit. I've been trying to see if that's worth the significant deck building restrictions in companion. And so far to me, it just hasn't seemed worthwhile. Um, yeah, but, but I could definitely see playing this card just normally especially in like um just for value yeah in like you know the the white weenie decks that have venerated loxodon like i don't want to give up venerated loxodon it's the best card in the deck you could play this in orzhov auras it gets back all your creatures and all your auras yeah um you know you could definitely do it in that deck um Um, thinking of like some broader strokes too not pioneer i was thinking about decks that have like uh the devoted druid combo because like even your x spell only costs two well, it, you you only get to cast permanent spells with Lyrus. Ah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I thought it counted all of your spells. So you can have non-permanent spells that cost more than two. Yeah, you can have, like, removal spells, and, but not Planeswalkers. These cards are so that. weird. I'm still getting used to it. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. Um, I could, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. Because it, it does cast both halves of your combo. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, the way to beat that deck is like, the thing is, like, who's killing your combo, like, two or three times? Like, no one does that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We'll have to see. This card is definitely uh, flashy and, like, really cool and good, you know, looks like it might be pretty good. So, um, definitely interested to see if that comes up. Um, some of the other cards that we wanted to talk about, I'm trying to, like, scroll down and find them. There were some cool, like, sideboard-type stuff um, in here. I might have missed some of it. Uh, yeah, it might have been further up. Yeah, I think it's where it was. But uh, there was, like, a there was a red spell. Where is it? Oh, here we go. Uh, Shredded Sails. I think it's a card that could possibly show up at some point. It's kind of like an abrade type card. It's a choose one. It destroys target artifact or it deals four damage to target creature with flying. But it also is cycling too, which makes this card really flexible and really good uh, coming out of sideboard because it's never dead, right? Like you've got cycling on the card. And cycling is so nice on narrow effects like that where they're often going to be dead cards, but like you want to have an answer to a specific artifact or big flyer in your deck. And now you get to have that answer, but you don't ever have to be stuck with it in your hand when they don't draw, you know, the one target they have for it. Yeah, we were talking about another one in the set that's very similar to this uh, Migration Path. It's a four mana sorcery that you get to search your library for two basic lands, put them on the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. Now, yeah, I know we already had this card in, in Pioneer and it hasn't really had anything, but this one has Cycling too as well. So just a much better version of this card going forward with cycling being back in this format. Uh, Neutralize is another card that we talked about. One blue, blue, instant counter target spell, cycling two. So uh, it remains to see if this is better than Sinister Sabotage. And my initial thought is maybe it is because you can just cycle it. You don't have to have a, a spell to actually counter to, you know, you know, help fuel your dig through times or just to draw another card. Because if you're behind on board, this is definitely better than Sinister Sabotage. Because it might dig you into a card deeper to find that Supreme Verdict that you need. I think in, in more aggressive metagames, you know, if the control decks have to contend with mono black and mono red, then they'll probably want their three mana counter spell to be something like this. Although then it's still contending with Absorb. Um, but being able to cycle that counter spell early uh, is really, really nice in those matchups specifically. Whereas if you're in a metagame where the cancel is going to be an actively good card, you're probably going to want to get some value on top of being able to cast it, whether it's like Forge Shatter that exiles or um, or Sinister Sabotage. Uh, but this is definitely, this card is 100% in that mix. 
you know, this is just another consideration for control players. Is this the three mana counter spell I want? Definitely in the conversation. Yeah, there's a naturalize in this set that also cycles. I'm just a big fan of cycling, getting tacked onto cards that are narrow effects, kind of like you said. And maybe there's something else coming out in the set that we haven't seen yet that's going to kind of fall into that that I think is also going to be good. So we'll have to see. It'd be sweet if something like Eternal Dragon was printed again in this set. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever print a card like that again, but a, a good cycling creature that does some some cool stuff, that does a lot of value, um, would kind of fit the theme, I think, of what's going on. It, it's in the uh, it's in the Commander 2020 set. Eternal Dragon is? Yeah, so is Fluctuator, by the way, which is hilarious because um, I know magic cards across the board have been down, mostly. Fluctuator shot up. When this set comes out, anytime a set gets printed with Cycle in it, the card Fluctuator always gets bought out, right? Or whatever. And everyone who did that just got hammered because Fluctuator is just getting a reprint for the first time. So uh, pretty funny there. I remember we all had a little laugh out of that for the people who do the, um, what's the M- hashtag MTG Finance? I'm not like saying I hope bad things happen. I'm saying I think, it's, I think it's funny because that one's been a pretty safe one for a long time. But so Jesus. pretty cool stuff there. <laughs> I'm just looking at the spike. It, on on April 1st, it was listed at 540 on Goldfish. And on April 5th, it was listed at 35. Yeah. So we're talking about quite the spike. Yeah. Yeah. And it is uh, quickly coming back down. The next day, it was down to 28 from 35. So hopefully people who invested in that one uh, got out quick. Yeah. So if anybody else uh, listening... Any of the cards have been previewed up today. If you think there's a cool one that we didn't talk about, you know, make sure you ask us in the Discord. You know, maybe maybe we glossed over something. Tell us why. You think it's going to be good in Pioneer? Where does it fit? You know, what does it replace? What does it what does it amplify? I'm I'm that excited for this time of year. Shit. Yeah, this is a good time to to revisit the hashtag dope shit. I'm I'm, I'm excited about this new set. Um, the, the the cheaper cards definitely seem really good for Pioneer. I, I will say that. You know, the format's a little faster. You're a little more taxed at doing important and powerful things early in the game. So we'll have to see what all makes it through. Like, I don't know about any of these, like, 7 and 8 and 9 mana cards possibly making it. But we'll see. I mean, the, the format does seem... The format seems oddly polarized from the results this week. Because we saw a good amount of, like, red, mono-red, mono-black aggro. And then we saw the decks at the high end. The, the ramp, Simic Ramp deck, you know, Niv-Mizzet. Um... I'm I'm interested to see how it evolves from here because it looks like the metagame has contained mono white for the most part uh, and now some other things are leaking in but none of them have really cemented themselves as the next big thing right we had like we went through this entire thing since inverter bro- broke out it's been at the top and we cycled from lotus breach to mono white and now we're in a void and nothing has become the next in that cycle as the deck that's going to rival Inverter. And I'm just waiting to see what that deck is. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll have to see, right? I think I, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see um, what y'all come up with on Versus Live. What do you think about a week or two away from playing a Pioneer? Yeah, uh, we might do it next week. Uh, if we don't do it that week, it'll definitely be the week after. If you keep having shows too. I mean, like, yeah, there's always the chance that Y'all get the the axe at some point from yes. having three people in a room or whatever. Yeah, pr- provided we are allowed to continue to do it. But, you know, yeah, we, we show up. There's three to four people in the room. We don't interact with anyone else. There's nobody even at the desks that are near where the studio entrance is. I guess we somebody lets us in because the door is always locked now because the storefront's never open. So we interact with that person as well. So that's five. So we've limited our gathering to five people. 
twice a week for a couple hours seems reasonable to me i think it's reasonable yeah 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 if they call if they call it off at some point be like okay i understand yeah it's like just makes sense i I do have a question for you and um i think some people listening have wanted to know and it's been weighing on my mind i think it's the most important question they're going to ask in this cast uh in, in a while and who do you how do you think the nba season should be resolved since you're the expert. I mean, how do I... Th- I I would hope that we at least get a playoffs that's, like, delayed. Playoffs? A playoffs? I would, I would like to see a playoffs get played and then maybe even delay the start of the next season in order to fit in this playoffs and then an appropriate rest. So that's what I would like to see. Uh, and maybe that playoffs has to all happen in one location, you know, a neutral site. I, I've heard rumors of Las Vegas... Uh, so maybe just playing just, all the games. Yeah. yeah, all the games, no fans. You know, start it up in like July or something um, as things are, are starting to get better. And then you run through the playoffs in a month and then you, you know, delay uh, the start of the next season by a couple weeks. See, that's that's a good idea. The, the delay thing and, you know, extend it. They're talking about that with baseball right now, too, like playing into November, possibly December, playing the World Series at like a neutral site to ensure that it's warm or has a has a roof. You know, because like, when's the last time we had a baseball game get snowed out? It happens every year almost because for some reason at the beginning of the year they like to have Cleveland and uh, Minnesota play at home, and neither one of those teams have a. The Minnesota team does not have a roof, by the way. Oh yeah, they got they got rid of the of the dome, and there that in, it happens almost field. every year that a snow like. I remember um, a couple of years ago we were we were playing against I think it was us like the Braves were playing against Minnesota in a like interleague game and it got snowed out and I was like. They're going to have to find a way to get to Minnesota for a one game thing, you know, because like you don't play, you play them once the entire season. It was like a three game set in Minnesota. Right. And it's like, this is stupid that they have to do else. Anyway, uh, what I was going to try to get at is I think it would be really cool is you have an opportunity here, right? If you do do the NBA, right? If you do finish it and you finish some of these sporting events without fans, let's get fucking creative, right? Let's think outside the box. Let's get wild, right? Like, you know what I want? I want uh, like ESPN to go full on into ESPN, the Ocho. And like, or they stream these things online. I want like ridiculous camera angles where you like, I want someone to be having a camera angle from like the seats that are right upside that like, you know, Jack Nicholson's seat and be like, this is what it's like to sit in this seat. You know, you just watch the game from that seat. You know, like there's a different camera you can choose. Like, let's get super creative with that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that would be awesome. Have you seen what ESPN's doing now? Like, uh, What's that? You know, they're streaming a lot of esports. Mm-hmm. Um, they did over the weekend. They started up an a two K NBA two K players tournament. It's just sixteen people playing a single elimination bracket, and it's just NBA players playing two K against each other. Um, I think and, the most common phrase I heard while watching that is just "Come on, man!" Like the whole yeah. time, everybody says "Come on, man!" <laughs> yeah, there uh, there was talks about having a horse tournament where the players are playing from their own home gyms. And you just like broadcast that. They uh, they they're. Uh, they're definitely getting creative with how to fill the time over these next, you know, couple months, maybe even more than that. One of my favorite things that's come from this and from sports is um, there's no sports to bet on as well. So like daily fantasy sports and stuff like that. And the people that are really, uh, I guess, addicted is the right word, you know, that really need that kind of fix in their life, whatever. Um, one of my friends was talking about it the other day. Um, there was a big tournament that went on on Twitch over the weekend for Farm Simulator and people were betting on it. And one of my other favorite ones that I've heard so far is like on these betting sites, 
um, Chopped has actually become apparently uh, a thing that people are, are betting on. And they figured out a way how to... Okay, so like you know when you do like daily fantasy sports, you like pick your player and they get X points for doing X things in the game. Like every three-pointer, they get X points, et cetera, et cetera. And the highest point total wins. Well, Chopped, they figured out the point totals. But also my money was like, they got so in-depth this, they know the point total for if you don't actually put up a plate. You know, the people who like don't finish in time or whatever. He's like, you get like negative 1.2 points or something. And I'm like, how, like... Can you imagine that's your job? You're usually, you're usually like a sports bet line person. And they're like, all right, guys, we, we got to take out the box here. You know, we're, we're hemorrhaging money. Um, yeah, you're each going to have your own project you're working on. I send it to you in your emails. You open up your email and you're like, chopped? Freaking <laughs> chopped? <laughs> like, I got to figure out. So you have to go like watch a million episodes of chopped to figure out the right point differential. Like, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure they have some like, equation thing you know mathematic thing they just apply to it all that they use that they probably do so, make some adjustments to for the specifics but yeah they have know, some algorithm all. somewhere that's just like made for this kind of thing also i can just i can just see the um the 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 sports guy who does this because usually it's a bunch of people living on an island somewhere and they're just creating all the lines and there's some people that live in vegas that do it right and i'll tell you this People that get involved in this kind of thing usually hate sports at some point in time. They don't want to see it anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. It's their job, you know, kind of thing. And I'm sure there's some guy who, like, he's really smart, does all this stuff, but he just loves obscure, like, pop culture things. And now he's like, my time has come. He's like, I had this stuff ready to go. You know, he's like, I've been thinking about this for 15 years, <laughs> you know, you know, kind of thing. So I've got shop set up. I got Top Chef. I've got, you know, America's hey, Next Top Model. Although, yeah, all the food-related ones, I'm your man. I got this, you know, kind of thing. So I was, like, very tempted to go look at it and just be like, could I tempt myself to make a few bets? Like, can you imagine you're in your living room and, like, Chopped is on, and it's not even live. You know, it's like it's like they don't show you everything, and you're up, and you're like, you're like go on, man, chop those greens, get it! You know, like, God, he's, like, running to the pantry. Rises. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, running to the pantry. He's like, run, run, you know, like, like, go faster. They're, like, slicing open the meat, like, fucking medium rare. Medium rare, baby! Yeah, let's we did it! Yeah, like high fives the person next to him. Yeah, yeah. and like I can see it. He's like, you're like you're like, yeah, man, I got the bets in on this night, and then the judges change, and it's like you know a specific judge. You're like, oh man, they always hate this kind of thing. I'm so <laughs> dead, you know. Like, you know, it's like because like there's people Can't who get. I got Gorda Shelley. Yeah, because like there's people who like bet on certain games where like depending on who's behind the plate or what referees are working that night, the game can change drastically. Oh yeah, you know, kind of thing. And I wonder if they're gonna get that kind of in depth and stuff on oh, this. Oh, I'm so. sure they will. I'm super excited about this stuff because, like, the people who do really well at daily, daily fantasy sports and they do it, like, consistently well, they go hard. They're just people that have advanced degrees in statistic, statistics and they choose to just do that with their degree. You want to know a funny one? So, the uh, you know, like, daily fantasy sports, they usually have, like, one big tournament a day or, like, once a week they have, like, the big tournament where they're, like, you know, winner gets 100 grand or something, right? And they, they just, you know, or, like, you know, some big amount uh, or whatever. Uh, Huey has won the basketball win twice. It's pretty impressive. And I once asked him, I was like, hey, like, like, what did you do? And he, like, told me, I'm not going to give away his thing, but he, like, told me what he did. It was, like, it was very simple, but when I heard it, I was like, that just makes a ton of sense. You know, kind of thing. I'll tell you after the show if you want. I don't want to give away give away his secret yeah, live, live on air. I'd be interested in hearing it because my understanding is that most of the people that are winning, especially the big prizes, like, the, and the majority of the money overall, are just stats people that have very sophisticated algorithms and models that they utilize. It wasn't one of the ones I don't think where he got a hundred grand each time. He won like one of the hundred grand ones, so he got like fifteen or something. You know, he got like the lion's share of some big. One. It's it's still like 
a really good day's work. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I'd I'll still be, like, I'll running around it. my house. Yeah. I'll you take know, it. Pour champagne. Ross can see me. I'm just like, ah! Like, <laughs> running around. Just, you know, like, it looked like my, my, uh, my front house was uh, my front house. My kitchen would look like a uh, a locker room after you won a big playoff game. You know, I'd have the goggles on, just be like spraying <laughs> champagne and stuff everywhere. Oh man, it'd be good stuff. But I think the 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 thing that I get from all this, though, the the underlying thing, right? Like the the central thesis for this is I miss sports, Ross. Like really, really miss sports, and especially this week because um it's actually my favorite week in sports right now. Do you know why? Like. End of the NCAA tournament would have been tonight. Probably mm-hmm. a Masters would have been this weekend. Yep. Um, and we would have been near, like a week left in the NBA regular season, gearing up for the playoffs. Hockey playoffs just starting, um, and baseball just starting. Yeah, baseball just started too. So, like, I don't know if you know this. Uh, some of my friends know this. Um, opening day is like a religious holiday to me. I, I usually take the day off work. Um, I I either go somewhere that has all the games with a friend. I usually ask my, my best friend, who's also a big first fan, we usually like you know, try to take the day off. We talk a lot of shit because we're in a lot of fantasy baseball uh, leagues together. And so we're like, very, I want to beat him more than I want to win the league every year, you know, kind of thing. And uh, honestly, man, I kind of miss it, right? Like, we're also talking about like, what the hell do we do? Like, I was in two fantasy basketball leagues this year with a bunch of Magic players. And in one of them, I got kind of my butt kicked. I got a little unlucky in spots, but that's part of, you know, fantasy basketball. I had some like key injuries, like... You know, I was one of the highest scoring teams in the league, but I also gave up, you know, the most points in the league. But in another another league, I'm in first place by a fucking mile, Ross. That's that roster I showed you that's absurd. You know, just every, everything worked this year. Like, every every pick was just huge or whatever. And so I was like, if the, if the regular season gets canceled, we don't get to have playoffs. So do I just win? I think I just win, right? Like, because I'm okay with that in all my other leagues. Like, yeah, you just finish where where it is. You know, blah, blah, blah. If, if it's really close, and I mean really close, let the, the top two teams talk it out. Like, maybe they just split it. You know, they just chop it down the middle kind of thing. But I'm like, I was winning this league barring, like, massive disaster. And I mean, like, the kind of massive disaster, like, a meteor would have to hit a game that involves not just... It'd have to involve two teams that have multiple players from my teams. You know what I mean? I'd have to lose, like, three to four guys. Oh, you know, you never know. I had a year in fantasy baseball where I was first in the league in seven of the 12 categories and not beyond fourth in any of them. And, but we did a playoffs and it was head to head and I just lost one of the two week playoffs. I'm yeah. I I, will say this. Every league pretty much does that. Now they do the playoff type thing. I've always been a fan of the leagues that don't have playoffs where you just, you know, where you finish is where you finish kind of thing. But in those leagues, I find that um, people lose interest too fast. You know, if your team is just like, Oh, four, over the first four weeks, they just like stop trying, right? And I'm like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But in the leagues where all of your stats count for the whole year, some people think that they can make a comeback. You know what I mean? There's there's good and bad things for each one. The thing that I am most into for fantasy sports over the last few years, and this was in a league, I'm in a league with like Efro, Paul Rietzel, uh, Spurling is in the league. It's a, it's a, it's a fantasy baseball league that, um, that I like. And this one's not cheap. Like we play for quite a bit. But my favorite part about this league is the first one that ever did this. And I remember I laughed when, when Riesel told me this when I joined the league. He goes, here's here's how much it costs. Here's the payout system. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you get last place, you owe another buy-in. It's the last place prize or the last place penalty. So people try all year long. And like I said, you know, you have a lot of people that, you know, four or five weeks into the season, they're like, oh, my team sucks. Like I had a big injury. There's nothing I can do. And they just stop playing. 
And if you don't play against that team and the other people do, they kind of get a freebie. So I find that this kind of like helps protect the integrity of the league more. Yeah, I've run into that issue as well. And we have, uh, I finished last in our fantasy football league this past year. And I have a shirt that says as much. What, the Sacco or whatever I think is the name of it. Like the Sacco. Yeah, from, the, 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 from the show, the league. From the league. Yeah, yeah. So it's just... I like protecting the the, the integrity of the league. It's, it, it's it's funny to see at the end of the year the most active teams are like the bottom rung teams. Like they're they're frantically changing their lineup every day, like trying to squeak out you know the last the last place thing. So it's it's pretty great. And it it kind of keeps like because you know it, it is a pain in the ass too. We're like you know oh the strength of schedule matters. Like towards the end of the year they're only playing the bottom rung teams and they're not even they're not even changing their roster type thing. But anyway, this is not a daily fantasy sports podcast but maybe maybe i should make one anyway probably not the best time to start one of those channels oh i actually was like talking to one of my friends the other day he does a, he does sports radio and i asked him if he ever wanted me to come on i would if he needed someone to fill some time for baseball because i have some like interesting opinions on what teams are the biggest winners and what teams are the biggest losers with all the possibilities like if the sh- season shorted or if they just don't play the season at all like can you imagine being the dodgers this year when you made like that huge trade to get mookie bets and if they don't play this year, he's just a free agent. You get nothing. Like, you have to try to re-sign him. You know, all these teams that acquired one a player for one year. Yeah. You know, or, like, think about an NBA team if they, like, made a big move, right? And, like, they don't even get to really see their player very much before the playoffs. They got to hope it works out. You know, they don't even get to, like, sell those extra tickets, maybe sell those extra jerseys. You know, they're losing a lot of revenue for that stuff. I mean, look, I'm not, I don't feel for the owners of major sports. They're, they're rich as shit, and they're fine. But... You know, one of those things. But anyway, looking forward to see how this stuff gets resolved. Looking forward to being able to leave my house again on a, on a regular basis, you know? Well, I think it's going to be a while for that. Oh, but... it's, it's going to be a real... Can you imagine, like, what it's going to be like at the first Open? Like, people aren't going to care. They're just going to be hugging each other. Well, we'll, we'll see if people actually want to touch each other. Because, like, can you imagine how long does it be till we're back to normal? Like, just not yeah, caring? I mean... Yeah, it's not going to be normal until, like, a vaccine is developed and, and widely spread, right? And that's yeah. probably going to take at least a year and a half, probably more like two years. Yeah, you keep hearing all these reports, like, out of countries where they're like, yeah, they're like, I'm like, come on, man, it takes a year to eat. Like, there's no yeah. way they're already. It's like, all, all if you read the actual reports and, like, go past the headlines, all of them are like, yeah, they're in, like, stage one. Yeah. But they haven't even gotten to the point where they're, like, testing it. But they. Like, but it's promising. And look, yeah, hey. but they, 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 like, have something that looks like might make it to the testing stage. Hey, look, I'm not gonna. I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'll take any good news right now. You give me some good news. I'm, I'm excited, right? Because, like, I'll tell you this. I am taking things w- way harder than normal right now. You know, things that I would normally just like shrug off, like little things. You know what I mean? Like, if something doesn't go your way this way, you know, your boss comes down on you because, like, you know, works hard right now, and so bosses have a lot of stress on them to you know keep up with certain things. And you know, minor, you know, talking to us about you know trying harder in certain areas, and I'm like, man, it's hard right now it's hard out there so everybody at home we definitely feel your pain um just be careful like your health is something that can't be replaced like a job can be so make sure you're being careful there um you can still play a lot of magic online ross is streaming quite often i've been loving his stream because you get to make fun of him because he's been losing a lot he has been lost Miriam a lot on stream lately so i'm excited that you're going through the growing pains that every streamer does I'll tell you this, I, I don't even know if I ever got out of it with streaming magic, but like you make a lot more mistakes. I'm not saying you specifically, you in general. You make a lot more mistakes streaming than you do when you're not. Yeah, so uh, when's your next plan to stream? 
uh, Wednesday afternoon, so this should probably be live before then. I'm planning to stream uh, probably around like two, um, because I'll probably I'll have to spend a, from like eleven a.m. when new cards get shown to whenever I finish getting list done for verses on Thursday, and then you know have some time to eat some lunch or whatever, uh, and then I'll stream after that. Uh, I've got a meeting later in that evening, so we'll probably stream till about six. Do two leaks on Wednesday. Uh, will be my next one. Did you think about you were going to try to maybe get a new deck? I remember there's one you were talking about. You were you kind of interested in? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm playing the uh, I'm playing the Bushwhacker Zoo deck in Pioneer. It's been going pretty well. Yeah, we'll say let's talk about that for a second. We got a little more time. Um, you know, it's something that we saw show up last week and put up some finishes. We didn't really see much of it this week, but we talked about it last week that we were really interested in. Sandy Dog top sixteen one of the events this week with it. I think it was oh, did exactly he? Sixteenth. Yeah, I was say I'm not surprised. There's a good red deck and Sandy Dog does well with it. Not not a big surprise there. But how have you liked the deck overall? Have you felt that it's been pretty good? I know your results have been pretty decent. Yeah, I've only played. I think I've played three leagues with it, and I'm like ten five. So you know, average results. Um, still getting tuning the deck a little bit. Um, you know, your good draws are really good. Deck's a little bit finicky. Um, I have been struggling a bit with the Spirits matchup, and I've been running into Spirits quite a bit. I think you're actually, uh, like, looking at the results from this week, I'm pretty happy seeing those results. I've been doing pretty well against, like, Niv-Mizzet decks and Ramp decks, just because you're so fast. And usually, like, you can get by the first Uro, you know, with a Gorkline or a or an Embercleave or something like that, or finish them off with an Atarkas Command. Um, and then post-board you have uh, Karizev's Expertise. Oh, man. I, I got to on on my last stream, Karizev's Expertise, my opponent's Niv-Mizzet, that they had tapped out for the previous turn, cast Gallia off of the Karizev's Expertise. I had two creatures in play already. I attacked with all of them. I had two mana left over, one card in hand, declined the Gallia trigger, and then Ember cleaved my opponent's Niv-Mizzet <laughs> to kill them. Is that good? I thought so. That is a, <laughs> that is a sweet-ass turn, by the yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Like, if we were playing a team event, you'd, that, you'd, you'd be getting the high five, you know, like, click. Yeah, so the the Spirits matchup has been has been trouble, though you do have a good amount of removal post-board. Like, when you get ahead of them and have some running volleys, you win. Uh, but it can be tricky to try to play around both Nebelgast Herald and Spellqueller. I got got that one time. I tried to play around Queller and just got obliterated by Nebelgast Herald. Uh, so that's fine. Um, the deck is... I want to. I keep trying to want to lower the curve, but I'm hesitant to get rid of the synergies with Annex and Gallia. You know, Annex uh, makes Seder tokens when your things die, and then the Gallia pumps them. Uh, I think maybe I'm holding on to that too much, and I should just trim down further on Annex and play more ones. I'm playing a Legion Loyalist now in my list. I might go up on that. That card's pretty, been pretty good. That card's sweet. So, yeah. So I think I might just. So I'm I'm sort of making fine tune adjustments. Um, I gotta look at the mana base, see if I if there's something that I think might be better than the way it's built now. I mean, it looks pretty good. It generally works fine, but like once or twice a league, I have a hand where I just look at like you know game trail mana confluence and groan. Good old port town, you know. But the the deck is is very very powerful. I think it's quite good against um, it's. I think it's good against inverter and against these like green decks. I'm not sure how it is against mono white because I just haven't been running into a lot of it. I feel like that deck's on a huge decline. Yeah, it's been a significant decline, so I'm not super worried about it. 
Um, but a card like uh, like Knight of the White Orchid, just two two first strike is actually a big problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because all your creatures, you have no way to kill it, right? <laughs> like pretty much no way to get rid of it. So yeah, I've been, I've been sideboarding three Wild Slash in addition to the three Raining Volley, just so I have a bunch of removal post board for that matchup and Spirits, because like all of their creatures are problematic. So you just need to do, and you like can't let Heliod ever get turned on. So, um, so yeah, I've been adjusting the sideboard. Hopefully uh, we get it, and then uh, I'm all plan to run it in some sort of tournament this weekend. Maybe the Pioneer Challenge on Sunday, and we'll get a, a nice, nice test of it. But the deck is very, very powerful, um, and it, your good draws are unbelievable. I think Gallia is really good. Um, that card has been very impressive. Yeah, Gallia is really good, and so is Gorkland Rampager. Yeah, I talked to somebody about that today. I was like, we kind of forget how good that card is, right? That card's yeah, really it's been, good. It's been a while, but that card was a, a staple in its standard environment. Granted, it helped that Restoration Angel was also a staple. Like, Gorklan just blew the Restoration Angel apart. So Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I've, I've been enjoying watching you stream it. We'll, you know, we'll see what happens in your next streams. If someone wanted to see your streams, you know, read more of your thoughts, watch versus live, where would they go? Okay. First things first. Twitter is the one place to get all of it because I do tweet out basically all my content and when I'm streaming. So you can follow me at, at Ross Hunneds, H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Uh, if you, you know have any questions, you can shoot them there. I try to get back to people as much as I can. Um, the stream handle is Ross underscore Miriam. So that's a pretty easy one to remember. Uh, would appreciate any follows and especially any subscriptions there. Um, I try to stream usually a couple times during the week. I, I basically stream every Wednesday, usually in the afternoon. And then I try to find like one other day during the week and then at least one day on the weekend, if not both. Uh, so I'm streaming two to four days a week. Uh, just so, uh, with versus was kind of up in the air for a little bit. And so I didn't really have a set schedule. And I'm in the process of trying to figure out exactly when I want to be uh, when I want to be streaming. But I'll set a schedule soon. I know I say soon a lot for a lot of things, but. You know, eventually I did start streaming, so there's some hope there. Um, and then uh, my articles go up on Versus Lot or on Star City Games normally on Tuesdays at 11 Eastern. This week's article is going to get pushed to Thursday. Uh, that was just a message I got from Cedric earlier this week. Sometimes that happens, but uh, especially this previous season, we're like having people just write articles whenever they want to and putting them up basically immediately. And so things just get shuffled around a lot. Um, so you can catch this week's article about, uh, Kudro on Thursday, generally on Tuesday, and then Versus Live, which I do with Corey Baumeister. If you want to see us play, uh, a lot with new Ikoria cards, that's what we're doing for the entirety of preview season. So Tuesday, Thursday, 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Star City Games Twitch channel, same place you go to to watch open coverage. Uh, we're there, we're definitely playing some, uh, standard tomorrow, standard all this week. And then we, uh, we'll either do standard for one more week after that or get into Pioneer and Modern next week. Um, you know, we just have to make that decision and we'll announce what, whatever we're doing. If you've got any sweet deck lists, you know, feel free to send them to either Corey or myself uh, and we'll take a look at them. You might see us play them on stream because I like not having to brew all of my decks. <laughs> if, it, if your shit is dope enough. Yeah, I was like, bring your dope shit. Live, I promise. So uh, I think that's all for me. You know, it's weird, though, like, everybody's talking about how what they need, like, all these things to uh, fill their time, uh, you know, with COVID. I'm actually working more than I ever have in my life. Yeah. Was it, you seem more you seem more tired than usual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing all, all the streaming and every, like, it's just, uh, I'm I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just kind of laughing at it. 
we still have to find out, you know, we still have to figure out when we're going to start doing some more stuff. We said we're going to do some more interactive stuff with the people, you know, with our discords, blah, blah, blah. We just, like, haven't been able to get, you know, free because, like, you know, I still work, you still work. And, like, we need, we need to find, like, a good time to do a bunch of stuff, too, so. Yeah. So we got to figure, we got to figure that out. That's, that's, that's in the works guys and girls. I'm sorry. We're, we're trying to as much as we can. Um, as for me personally, uh, if you wanted to follow me on Twitter, please do. It's at, uh, the Tannen Grace uh, on Twitter. I'm so close to that 4k mark. I feel like I've been saying that for a few weeks now. I thought I would have passed it. Oh, well, anyway, um, I have actually streamed a few times in the last few weeks. It's, uh, just Tannen and Grace on Twitch. I haven't streamed magic yet, but I will at some point in time. I was streaming today. I played a little Warzone. the new, new Call of Duty game that everybody's playing. Um, a lot of fun. It's the first, like, Battle Royale that I've ever played, where it's just, you know, there's just 150 people on this map, and they're like, hey, survive. You know, it's a really fast-paced game. Uh, a lot of the good kind of stress, you know what I'm talking about, in a game, you know, like a lot of, um, get your heart rate up. You know, you're thinking real hard, you know, you're worried and stuff, and a lot of other cool stuff. So and I'm generally playing with some of my friends, so they'll be in on the Discord call with, with the thing, and I get to chat as much as I can. And you hear us like talk through the game and stuff as well. So you hear our, our thoughts on like how to win the game and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, I used to be really good at first person shooters and I'm kind of bad now, but it's okay. So you kind of like, you know, watch that and make fun of me and see me get beat up probably by like some, you know, 10 year old and they'll come teabag my body after they kill me and stuff. But <clears throat> I'll have to see all that. Um, that's not what, good what, social distancing. That's what, That's what you tell them. Oh, that's not good social distancing. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, you uh, you cut out for like half a second on me there. <clears throat> anyway, if you want to follow the Twitter of the cast, it's at Cast Pioneer, and on that Twitter we have links to our Discord and our Patreon. Um, our Discord link, like I said, it's in the Twitter, so you can follow it there. Um, huge community going on there. I'm on it all the time. Ross is on it sometimes. Tons of other people responding all the time in there. Everything in Magic that you could want to talk about. Um, which reminds me, Ross, we have to back up for like two seconds in a minute. We forgot to do the question um, because everyone that is a, a patron of our show um, gets a patron-only channel, plus they get to submit questions for the show to, to ask us, and we're going to answer live in the show, which we're going to do in a couple seconds. Sorry, we almost forgot. Uh, that, that's on me. I'll, I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. Um, so we'll cover all that. Um, the The Patreon has a $2, $5, $10 tier. Um, cool. You can read all the stuff in there. Lots of cool stuff going on. Again, we have some some swag that we're sending out as soon as all this kind of like slows down a little bit. Uh, we're going to try to kind of wait that out a little bit, which will, you know, it'll let a lot of people get up to all the stuff. Ross has them in his hands right now. I'm taking a look at them. They are they're beautiful. They're sitting on my desk. Yeah, just a big stack of them. Um, so lots of cool stuff going on there. Let's go back uh, the show has not ended yet. Sorry. Uh, there was supposed to be a question that was asked. You know, I didn't have it highlighted as the problem. Usually I have it like left or well, whatever. I'll but I'll it up if you want me to read it. Go ahead. So it's from Boom Boom Zoom. And they ask, with all this time at home, I am sorting out all my collection. Is there a good website to catalog my collection? Do you have an answer for this, Ross? Uh, so my answer is I have no idea at all. And as Tannen can tell you, because we do... We record over a video chat on Discord. <laughs> my collection is in scattered piles across my apartment. So mine is very similar. And the funny part is you and I are very similar. I remember I was at Ross's house. There's just literal cards everywhere. It's like, I need two of these. And he knew exactly where those two cards were in those giant piles. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. mine is the same way. And there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's how your brain works. Because what it is, is you just remember where when you last had the card and where you put it down. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, and that like that's how that's how your brain works. So you don't actually need a system. You just remember where you put everything. Uh, now that you know that system has gotten worse and worse as I've gotten older because my memory isn't as good. And so like the stuff that that is in my bedroom in boxes and is older, that stuff I don't really know exactly what's in it. Uh, but all the stuff that's up here that I go through frequently, like I know almost like if you just name a card, I, I can pretty much figure out where it is. Um, but I, I never know exactly what I have. It's really annoying. I should organize my stuff too. Things go missing all the time, but God, organizing cards is awesome. So to answer the question, if you're looking for a specific site, I don't have any that I endorse more than others, but I've heard, you know, of Card Castle, like MTG Studio. I don't use them personally, but uh, I don't blame anyone who does if you want to use that. Uh, those are pretty great. Um, there's also some YouTube videos on people like on sorting methods and stuff like that. You know, if you're thinking more of like, what's the best way to do it that way? Um, this helps, you know, if you have a big collection or whatever, or you're just kind of the person that likes to have everything noted down, I definitely would recommend doing one of the online services. That way it's very easy for you to know if you can build a deck or not, or what you're missing, what you're not missing, because it does tax my memory quite a bit when I see a deck list on online. I'm like, I want to play this deck. I'm like, oh man, I, I think I own this whole deck. And then I'm like missing some obscure shit. You know, I'm like missing a specific card or two. And I'm like, well, this sucks. I thought I had these. Like the other day I had to reorder some cards for Pioneer. Like I had to reorder Glorybringers because I just don't know where they are. And so like I'm like, I know I, or I had these. Like I remember owning these because I played Teamer in, in Standard. And I just can't find them. And I don't remember getting rid of them ever. Like I didn't have a reason to get rid of them. You know, yeah. so. <clears throat> uh, um, I remember seeing a story of some guy years ago. It was online. Uh, but they... They got, maybe they bought, I don't know, or they got, maybe they got it for free because they were getting rid of it. They got a, an old card catalog from their public library. Oh, then, that's sick. And like lined each thing with something so the cards would be protected, right? And then the outside obviously has places where you can put labels. And so every single drawer of it is labeled and just had like a perfect thing to put uh, his collection into. You just have your own Dewey Decimal System thing yeah. at home, like that um, whole big thing. Yeah, it was it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. I have a so old, jealous. yeah, I have an old an old dresser that I have in my closet. So because it's like just below all the clothes, it's like a little three uh, three layer dresser, and you just pull you open the closet, you can pull out the stuff, and there's just uh there's just boxes, magic cards, yeah, and stuff in there. And so that's how I keep it all. The wife's okay with that one. She just wants it out of sight. She doesn't want piles of magic yeah, cards yeah. everywhere. That, so that's a pretty reasonable way of doing it. Yeah, my my way not so much. Very unreasonable. Well, you, you live at home by yourself. All I can think of is the, is the Simpsons thing. Don't don't tell people how I live. <laughs> don't tell anyone how I live. Yeah, I guess <laughs> every time I think of something, that's all I think of. But anyway, um, great episode today. Really enjoyed it. Like, I love spoiler season, by the way. Just love it. Love new magic cards. I'm excited to see what comes out over the next week. Give us the land cycle already. Like, you cowards. Give us the land cycle. I want to know what I can start building differently. In standard so and and in pioneer, Copperlink gorgeous. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but if it's something that we need for pioneer, I'm super excited because here's the thing: we haven't seen a land yet, really, and I'm kind of excited to see the first real like land in this set because maybe they're cool. You know, maybe it's something they haven't done before. We haven't. We seriously haven't had a land spoiled yet, and I bet you the basics look sweet as shit in this set too. Like maybe nothing fancy, like full art, but they probably have really good artwork on them. You're right that we haven't seen a land yet. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's something they're they're hiding really yeah, well. Yeah, something that they are real they've planned on a very specific day. Yeah, here now you go. I'm, now I'm excited. 
look, the world sucks right now. Y'all needed this here. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or it's going to be really bad. And they're just, they're trying to bury the lead. He's like, they'll put it with the dump and they're like, oh, hopefully no one noticed that the lands suck. So I don't know, but we'll see you next week. We'll see what's up. Uh, like I said, send us your dope shit. Uh, tag us on Twitter. Send it to us in Discord. Be active. You got nothing else better to do. I know you. Yeah, you sitting at your computer right now, not doing anything else with your potato chips and your your Coke Zero. Don't judge me, Tannen. Oh, my bad, Ross. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't mean to tell people how you live. Anyway, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll definitely have more to talk about next week when it comes to the spoilers stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And make sure you check it out. But until then, see you guys and girls next week. <laughs>